This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to OrbitalJigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open. Thank you. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining us, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 75. I'm Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and this week I am ripe for the picking because it was kind of a slow week in uh, in mainstream, like the main WWE. Yeah, the, the main events weren't that big, the, yeah. uh, the main roster wasn't that big. That being said, I gotta say, this not bad overall as, as the shows go. They weren't devastatingly awful and cringeworthy, but right. they they were also not wildly compelling. I gotta say, and and it's I I like to look at the glass half full. I like to be positive about it. So we will be finding some positive things to talk about today. But overall, it's kind of a slow news week. Um, that being said, we have a big show. Even even so, today we have a lot to talk about. We've got uh, the fact that the main main roster is gearing up. For Money in the Bank, it's two weeks away. Yep. Uh, NXT is gearing up for NXT TakeOver Chicago. Mm. New Japan had their finals of the best of Super Juniors, and it was money. And they're about to have their biggest, uh, one of their biggest shows of the year in Dominion. Right. Uh, and then Starting we have, tonight. Uh, yeah, Friday night. Friday night, yeah, at the midnight. And then uh, you've got uh, 205 Live we're going to talk about. We're going to do some listener questions. we got some listener questions from... Uh, from our Facebook discussion group. Please go find us and join us over there on Facebook. And uh, we'll be getting into that later on. Then we have some, we actually have some news bits, but that'll be later in the wide world of wrestling. Yes, uh, you did mention the Facebook group, but you can also come over and find us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Hit us up over there. Uh, you can find me, Nick Howell, over on Twitter at Nick Podcast. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian, dangerous. Well, Ian, there wasn't nothing that happened this week, so we still have to go talk about everything that went down on Monday Night Raw. This week, Nick, Roman Reigns was actually cheered. What? Yes, they che- I don't know if the experiment the experiment is working. Well, no, this is apparently real life. This is what it's supposed to be. Maybe it's the fact they're in Houston, Texas. Maybe it's... Shucky ducky. Shucky ducky quack quack. It was uh that, that Roman got cheered. He ran in as the hot save because uh, Seth Rollins was getting attacked by Elias uh, and Jinder Mahal at the same time at the top of the show. Elias opened the show with a typical Elias segment, which 
even though we call it typical, it's entertaining every time. Yep. And uh, he and Seth, because last week he hit Seth with that guitar. So Seth runs out, grabs a chair, and they face each other down. And just as Seth is about to get the upper hand, good old Jinder Mahal and Sunil Singh run in. They all beat down Seth. And then out comes, burn him, burn him, Roman Reigns. And he gets cheered. Now, is do you think this is just, are you going to write this off to just being Texas? Or do you think this was actually because... The experiment of having Roman Reigns taking some of this momentum from Seth Rollins, the fact that Seth Rollins is one of the most over guys in the main roster of mm-hmm. WWE, do you think that's fine? That rub is finally starting to get onto Roman Reigns here. It's it's arguable that that's why, but uh, I will go out on a limb and say that this is what I think Roman Reigns should be doing. It was kind of like the hot tag that he was in the Shield. And he was in the right kind of archetype for doing it. That's what I felt like this was. Where he's not getting cheered is is the constant push to become the champion. I don't think this was anything to do with that. So, yeah, I enjoyed seeing Roman Reigns come in and save the day as the big dog and and, and be this kind of a, a character. And then they get booked into a tag match, Jinder and Elias versus Seth and Roman. Now, these are obviously the two big singles matches that are happening at Money in the Bank, Jinder versus Roman and uh, Seth versus Elias. Right. So we're having a typical tag match where these two individual matches are getting mashed together. But as you said, Roman was the good old hot tag, which was all like always his best thing in the shield was the hot tag. Yep. But here what was interesting is at one point he was the hot tag. At another point, Seth was the hot tag. So there is definitely like some some love and some appreciation still being given to the fact that Seth is so over and they know he will pop the crowd when he comes in. So I think they're actually being very smart in keeping Seth's uh, energy alive. And I don't think that they're like, this is, this is not going to drag Seth down at all. No, not at Um, all. But I do think that it's, it's, it seems to be at least this week. It seems to be, we'll see when they go into a more, a more smarky town, like let's say Chicago, where money in the bank's going to be taking place. We'll see if it happens there, or if this is just, you know, a one week fluke. Uh, So that, that is definitely something that I was keeping my eye on. But that being said, for this section of the show, I didn't mind Roman Reigns, as you said, because it was reminiscent of the Shield days. Yes, and I like um, I like the the setups of Seth and Elias against each other, and and Roman and Gender. I think those are both great setups there. Uh, I'm curious what happened to the open challenge that Rollins had. That's one of the things that he that got him so babyface over in in recent months was him winning that Intercontinental Championship, coming out and having that open um, I'm a fighting champion kind of spirit that that the crowd always loves. What happened to that? Why are we doing these kinds of you know formulaic setups now? Well, it's funny because it did go back to the more formulaic stuff after this match. You know, Elias ended up. There's some trickeration, and Elias end up hitting a drift away on a chair to Seth Rollins to pick up the win, and then they get chased to the back by by Roman, uh, who later had a backstage segment where Jinder was being uh, was complaining about how he should be getting more title shots and he's better than Roman. And they cut to Roman, who's somewhere else backstage, and he says, "Well, you want some? Talk to my face." And then Roman proceeds to get lost backstage in about a 20-foot area. He, he, went, he goes the wrong way down the hall and says, where's Jinder? And these two guys sitting there go, oh, he's that way. Roman walks back the way he came up about five feet, turns a corner, and there's Jinder right there, and they get into a brawl. It went back to the very formulaic stuff very quickly, and uh, I, I feel that that kind of sucked some of the energy out of it. But at the same time, kind of like what you said, like I'm not mad at either of these matchups, like the Roman gender thing, not mad at that at all. Like it's, it's got some good energy to it so far. Seth and Elias seems to be working really well. They've, they've got some, they they definitely have the crowd invested in it because of the the physicality of it and how aggressive they've been with each other with the chair 
uh, shots and the and the guitar shots. Like that's been a good build towards that match. Yeah. So so far, like like I said earlier, the top of the show, like. I could complain about this, but there's really not that much to complain about. It's somewhat formulaic, but it's not it's not terrible. It's, Something, it's not Lashley and Sami Zayn, which, oh we'll, God, get, which oh we'll get into later. Um, so one of the things that I think that's been missing for quite some time is something that di- uh, feuds that didn't revolve around championships or title opportunities. And I think what we've got here is a, is a couple of really good, you know, certainly uh, Seth has the Intercontinental Championship, but the thing with Reigns and gender is that it's, it's just a good old-fashioned two big boys that don't like each other and they want to get in the ring and beat the hell out of each other. I like that. I like the setup of that. And I like that, too. That's the part I like about it. The thing I don't like is every time Roman's in the ring, commentary cannot help but, you know, blowing him about the fact that, oh, the authority's against him and he should have beat Brock Lesnar. He's the uncrowned universal champion. If you want to call him the universal champion, just have him beat Brock, pull off the damn Band-Aid because we're sick of this crap. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, have it just be about gender and Roman. Don't mention Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Don't mention the universal champion. You know, don't mention the universal championship. Have it just be Roman and gender not liking each other and leave it at that because otherwise it is it feels like what it actually is which is basically a stopgap feud before roman goes back after brock lesnar from SummerSlam, probably that's that is what everyone suspects especially because brock's uh contract is up in august his new kind of short contract yeah. so yeah so we'll get him past the the punk uh uh record for for longest reign and then push it off on well the he's gonna break that uh not next week but right before money in the bank he's gonna break that record wow so they'll be able to happily say he has the longest uh reign as a champion in the modern era even though it's not with the wwe championship so there we go another big another uh big news on monday night raw we did have uh the four money in the bank uh participants that are on monday night raw they faced each other in a couple different matches. You had uh, Braun Strowman versus Bobby Roode. But first, let's talk about Finn uh, Balor versus Kevin Owens, the main event of the show. Um, and this started off with what I thought was a really interesting transition segment where you had the big show out with a whole bunch of the Special Olympics kids from uh, from Texas. And they all had a, you know, a little promo and they talked about how great it was. And uh, then before they left, Finn Balor's music cuts in and he basically does his entrance with all of these kids lined up on stage and the big show comes out, does the, you know, the putting his ah! arms up, and puts his arms up in the air a couple times for during his music to sweets a bunch of them and comes down to the ring. Awesome. I love that. I did too. I dug that a lot. And I, I like, you know, there's been a lot of their tweaks to the Finn Balor character since he came up from NXT that I have not understood or haven't liked. But if there's one thing that this kind of clarified for me was there there's something they've been saying for a while now, or, or he's been saying for a while now. I don't know how much of it is writing or corporate or whatever it is, or if it's just him, but uh, Balor Club is for everyone, yeah. right? And he's had the LGBTQ shirt, and he's uh, been been putting out a lot of stuff of inclusionary concepts and, and that sort of thing. So this is another aspect of that. He's coming out and, you know, basically interacting with the Special Olympics kids as a way to show that inclusivity as well. And so I liked that aspect of it because it made me go, okay, this is what they mean. They're having him be this 
really cool, chill baby face who everyone gets along with and is, is WWE's way of saying we do have somebody who's an advocate for all of these people. Right. And it's another reason to get behind him as a baby face character. And it adds another layer to him as a baby face character where a lot of times they have trouble with baby faces, making them interesting like Bobby Roode. Who we'll get into in a second. Yeah. Uh, it also gives you an extra reason to cheer for Finn when he comes out against Kevin Owens, who has been doing a great job of being a more traditional heel and not getting the kind of mixed cheers and boos like he he sometimes gets. Uh, and he was a, he did a great job in this match, particularly of grinding Finn down. It was not a big, exciting flying around match. Correct. Um, it was their it was their third. Uh, match together in WWE, even though the commentary said it was their first. I think they meant their first on the main roster because they did meet twice in NXT, uh, once at Beast in the East and once for the championship. Um, but uh, this was a much more Kevin Owens getting heat by just doing rest holds and grinding down on Finn. And the most interesting part of the match was the end when so when Kevin gets disqualified by stomping Finn in the corner and then giving him a frog splash, setting up a ladder and acting like he's going to go jump off the top of the ladder and then getting scared and having to come down a few rungs and oh no scared and coming down a few more rungs. And then Finn gets up, knocks him down and gets him and gives a coup de gras from the very top of the ladder to end the show, which is a really nice, really cool, big Don't spot. Don't break your ankles. Cool, big spot. <laughs> and he goes up, grabs the briefcase and goes, look, I'm going to win money in the bank, which of course is a way of saying he's not going to win. You're not going to win money, money in the bank. But uh, all around, I thought this was a gr- like it was a relatively meaningless match. Another just way of promoting the fact: hey, both these guys will be in Money in the Bank. Let's but, get some ladders in there. Let's have one of them grab the briefcase. Yeah, do. But yeah. it but it defined for me where their where their characters were in WWE as far as what creative thinks of them. Uh, and I thought it was a great way to show more to the audience. You know, cheer this guy, boo this guy. I thought it was very clarifying, and yeah. and that was one takeaway from it that I thought was was a nice way of dis, uh, that they showed that. Well, I got to this match, and I was just I, I had been watching it for an hour because I watched the Hulu edition this week. Uh, did not have, have a chance to watch it live, but I got to this match, and I was going, "Oh dear God, please let this match save this travesty of a Raw." It was <laughs> it was just bad. It was just really bad tonight. And like you said, this this wasn't some kind of barn burner match that you would almost expect from these two. But at the same time, it was still entertaining as hell. It was great to set up uh, the inclusion of Balor Club, and it was great to give a little showcase of of Money in the Bank coming in ten days sure. or so. So it did it did what it said it was it was going to do on the ten. But you know, overall, this raw for me was just kind of bleh. well. And it's probably because you watched the Hulu edition. A lot of the more entertaining stuff was not on Hulu. So hey, they got to fix that. I'm uh, hoping the deal TV deal fixes that. Ain't going to fix it. I'm telling you right now, man. There's too much money. I mean, you you've seen now. There's too much money in the TV deal. There's way too much, and they're they're absolutely going to keep all the full raws off of TV off of the network for at least a month. Ugh. So sorry. Uh, the other money in the bank participant match was uh, Braun Strowman versus Bobby Roode. Uh, a little bland, but I didn't mind the fact that, that Bobby Roode openly said like, I have to survive. I've got to survive this. And it was, as you'd expect Braun dominating him for most of the match, him trying to survive. And at one point, he inexplicably set up a ladder outside the ring, uh, resting on the ring and on the guardrail. And then as Braun did the chase down and tried to run him over, he ducked under the ladder and Braun, for some reason, was stopped cold by this this ladder like he couldn't, you know, pick it up and move it or whatever. But he didn't pick up and move it. He just put his two hands up and smashed the ladder in half, uh, which was... My, My jaw was on the floor. Here's the thing. You know that Braun is a special talent 
when you have no idea if the ladder was legitimately gimmicked or not. Right. I'm pretty sure it was a gimmicked ladder. I'm pretty sure. Not entirely sure. Not, it, it, could, it could just be a, an aluminum he, ladder. He, he could have just practiced this and figured out what he had to do to actually smash an aluminum ladder down the middle. It broke a little too cleanly for me. I don't know. I don't, that's, that was the most exciting part of this match was, did he or didn't he actually break this ladder? I want to believe, as a, as a known Braun Mark, that the ladder was not gimmicked at all, and that just was brute force strength from Braun Strowman being the monster that he is. I, look, I don't know what, what else to say that I haven't already said on this show about Bobby Roode. The sooner they put a suit on that guy and make him a dick heel, the better. It's just kind of meh right now, and, and, this, and it has been since he debuted. Ain't going to be before Money in the Bank. They need another face in that match, and he is just basically going to be a nice little bland cardboard cutout baby face that will be in that match. Yep. Uh, I, You know what? The great thing about this Money in the Bank is as we go through the show this week and as we probably go through the show next week too, we'll be able to look at everyone in the Money in the Bank match and give reasons why they will win. I, everyone, I'm looking at everyone who's in the match on the male side, and I could, I could give you a good reason why any of them could win. Yeah, I think, we, could, we could do that next week. It's yeah. just a breakdown for the go-home shows as we do our preview of it. Yeah, and I, I think it's I, even Bobby Roode, I could see winning sure. it because it could do good things for his character if he had the briefcase. Uh, that being said, of course, he got crushed by Braun here. I think that the, the, the way that they're pushing the fact that Braun is going to be the monster in this match will be an interesting aspect once we get to the match. I just feel bad for anyone who gets in his way between now and then. Agreed. Uh, because this kind of thing's going to happen to them. Well, hey, uh, did you hear that uh, Naya finally injured somebody? Yeah, I did, Nick, because uh, th- as soon as the word came out that uh, someone had been injured by Nia Jax, you were all over text and Twitter going, I knew it! I knew Nia was I, I didn't unsafe! Do that. She's I, so I, unsafe! I didn't do this that. This most unsafe... You've got to fire her! Ree! That is not what I did at all. For the record, actually, some of the uh, the fans and the listeners in the in the Facebook group were actually called it to my attention because I didn't get to watch it on that night, and I was like, "Huh?" huh. I, I did internally gloat for a minute. It goes, <laughs> "See, I told you guys. I knew it was going to happen." One you of these came days. to me and you were like, "I told you so. I told you so." I'm like, and I and I said back to you, "I'm like, if we watch this show and she legit injured somebody because uh you know a bad move or something." I will I will happily <laughs> say, you know eat what, maybe crow. I'll eat the crow. I, I will happily bow down and say, maybe you were on to something, sir. I should have been listening to this entire time. But no, no, this was a work spot. Natalia uh, injured, quote unquote, injured herself uh, running over Nia Jax in her in the typical spot she does where she, you know, someone's sitting down and she runs up and runs up their back and smashes their face in the canvas. Yeah. Tweaks her tweaks her leg after that, Ugh. and uh, both Ronda Rousey, who was who was just dying up there on commentary, uh, and Nia Jax both tried to attend to Natalia. Hey Ronda, what do you think about this match? Yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. You know, it, it, invigorating commentary. Only my husband can say that I am ripe for the picking. <laughs> Maybe you didn't hear it. Only my husband can say I am ripe for the picking. What even was that? Yeah, so I this is another thing where we've talked about Ronda's greenness and and you know something we've said since day one on this show. Don't expose the weaknesses. Play to the strengths. Yes, she's obviously very weak on commentary. Um, this you know we've we've compared her before to Mark Henry. That's that's been my big comparison with Ronda Rousey is Mark Henry, and I remember back in the day Mark Henry going on commentary and just sucking as well, right when they first got him. And he was still like in the white tracksuit and all that. I remember him just being awful on commentary. And he came around. 
So I'm not sitting here thinking, you know, saying it's over. She's done. Put a fork in her. It's done. Oh God. But at the same time, yeah, they really shouldn't have put her out on commentary at all uh, because it, it it was pretty terrible. It was God awful. It was pretty God awful. And in fact, this, this whole feud is, is pretty terrible. And there really is no if, ands, or buts about it. They can make a nice video package out of it showing Ronda being a badass and Nia being a killer. And that will get me hyped for the match. But anytime I watch anything else with this feud, uh, especially now, now, I don't know why they're including Natalia in this feud unless she's going to have something to do with the actual match. And I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. If there's a swerve and Natty turns on Ronda or something like that, it wouldn't surprise me at all and that would be a at way at this point i feel like natty is just kind of a chaperone for for ronda rousey yeah but that, anything she's doing like she has to train her and script her and make sure and she's been put in charge you're in charge of making sure that ronda rousey looks amazing i don't know if natty's the or one else natty's not natty, natty might not be the one you want in charge of helping ronda with her promos i'm just gonna throw that out there uh, but that being said, as long as this pays off somehow, as long as this natty it's angle pays to, off though. somehow, I'm saying if it does, okay, then I understand what they're doing here. Otherwise, they're just killing time. And the fact that they don't have any physicality yet between Ronda and Naya is hurting their packages and, and, and hurting this feud because there's not that much excitement to it. We there's have, no video to build packages. We around. have Rhonda kind of acting like a heel by being a dick to Nia, who was genuinely concerned about That's the way that they played it was that she was genuinely concerned about Natalia's injury was sorry. She was like, I didn't mean to hurt you. And but she didn't, she didn't even hurt her in kayfabe. Right. Natalia hurt herself, but, but Nia was trying to be nice about the whole thing. And Rhonda was being a dick to Nia. So it was, it's confusing about the dynamics here. That, that's, so, that's kind of been the run of this story though, isn't it? A little it's bit. The, the flip-flopping of the heel and face dynamics. Yeah, it's like, who's heel? Who's face? And uh, for a while there, it was very clear. Naya is the heel. Coming off, like, bizarrely, coming off of this anti-bullying angle, she's now a bully. Bizarrely. <laughs> but all of a sudden, now we're back to Ronda being kind of a dick to Naya, and Naya being a bit of a sweetheart. It's it's weird. And I, they're supposed to be a face-off. They're going to get face-to-face time next week in the ring. Oh, Ooh, God. We, which we've seen now, three weeks in a row, technically. But uh, hopefully that somehow will clean things up before we go to the actual match. Because it's going to be the whole thing where you got the, there's physicality and they have to get all the refs come out and break them up and do all that typical crap. If they did, it would be massively preferable to what they're doing so far. Oh, I agree with that. So there's oh, that. Totally. And another thing that would be preferable is if this Lashley and Sammy feud could just end and go away. Yeah. Because this this week we had a combination of awkwardness and uncomfortableness and kind of going a little bit too far, kind of crossing some lines here. Uh, Sammy Cross one very big one. One very big one, and that's one I, I do want to discuss because it was a topic of discussion uh, in our Facebook discussion group. But uh, let's run down what happened first in case you didn't see the show. Uh, Sammy comes out to the ring, or sorry, Lashley comes out to the ring and uh, calls out Sammy, says, come to the ring, let's, let's talk about this face-to-face like men. You, you want to run me down. And Sammy comes comes out of the crowd and says, I'm not getting in there. You know, you almost broke my hand trying to, when I tried to shake your hand last time. So I'm just going to hurl insults at you from the audience, essentially. Long story short, Lashley gave his creepy smile in the ring the entire time as though Sammy wasn't really getting to him. Sammy, to his credit, really like sold this kind of annoying, you know, running his mouth asshole from the audience. He did it really well all the way up to the point where he got up into the top of the arena and was, you know, question saying Bobby, Bobby Lashley is a liar. He's just trying to sell you stuff. He's a fake, 
uh, et cetera, et cetera, calling on his Instagram. But then he said, you know, Lashley, is everything about you fake? Do you even have sisters? Were you even in the military? Did you what? even serve your country? Now, there's th- here's here's two aspects of this. One, that's first of all, that's a really that's a really questionable thing to say. Even in kayfabe, even as a storyline thing, a lot of people are very sensitive about that, especially these days. Um, and you could hear the audience turn. They went from having fun with the whole thing of of, of Sammy being a dick and then Lashley kind of brushing it off and being a little irritated, but not pissed. Sammy said that Lashley's face just falls and he goes into that cold Lashley stare thing. But the whole audience, you could feel them getting like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they were in Texas. So particularly patriotic part of the country. They started chanting USA. um, But people stopped having fun at that point. And I know a couple of our listeners were also really put off by that. And were like, yeah, guys, that's that's not cool. That's not cool to, to call into question. His military. I'm wondering service. if that's if that's Sammy just kind of going with it and feeling it, or because that's such a big it part was, of his persona mm, and his it, backstory. It was such a big pointed line, and they ended on that. I can't help but think that that was a scripted thing that they were like, okay, we're going to do this, this, and then this is your punchline at the end because then they cut they cut to Lashley's music and they cut away, and that was it was done. Here's the thing, and, and this is something that I brought up in the Facebook discussion group, is that it's not like WWE has never gone for cheap heat before. Right. It's not like they've never brought up uh, awkward things or or been controversial to, to drum up cheap heat on somebody. This feud needed some sort of heat. And frankly, I'm, I'm going to go on record as saying Sammy questioning Lashley's service in kayfabe is at the end of the day harmless. It really is. If he was legitimately questioning his service in real life, then yes, we'd have something to get up in arms about. But this is a storyline thing. Everyone knows, like they they make a big deal about the fact that Lashley has actually served and he right. was military. We all know that that's actually the case. This is Sammy, the heel character, calling him out. You know, trying to question this. It's just to get heat on that heel character. Is it is it crossing a line in the quote unquote real world? Yeah, I could see how people would be offended by it, but it needs to be taken in the context of the entertainment. He's a bad guy who does bad things. It, you know, it, for let's let's say Game of Thrones, right? You have a character that um, that sexually assaults another character, right? Uh, it doesn't mean that we should be mad at that actor playing that part. It means that that and and it can you can say the show is controversial for having that sort of stuff be portrayed in there but at the same time we can't be mad at the actor we can't be mad at Sami Zayn. it's a if you if you question them bringing up this topic you're questioning wwe's writers i don't know who to be mad at right now it, it's a it's you're saying that assuming that they wrote it and i'm saying what i said assuming that sammy just kind of pulled it out as part of 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 lashley's character it's it's one or the other i don't it's not good either way in my opinion there's things there's other things they could have found if this is where they're going to go, the links they're going to go to for cheap heat, that's that's a little too on the nose. Yeah, but it is, it, it's nowhere near. It's and this is does obviously does not absolve anything. But it's I'm saying it's nowhere near the stuff they've done with before, like Charlotte's dead brother or you know uh, Jake oh. the Snake's alcoholism, right? Or Hawk suicidal and jumping off the Titan Tron. There's some stuff they've and that's all stuff I mentioned online. There's a bunch more we could talk about too, but. These are these are things that they've gone real far down the tasteless rabbit hole before. I don't think this is that. I don't think this is too far for a wrestling promotion to to go to this topic uh, because it's not. It's a it, it, now if next week if they double down on this and he goes and tries to like 
actively disprove the like if this if this is something that they really drive into then yeah we could be seeing we could be talking about this being wildly tasteless but at the same thing i don't think this is a sacred cow that they can't necessarily talk about if, okay. if they're trying to get the heel extra heat that's true and if it well let's see what happens next week i, I kind of agree with you but i kind of just think that it's just off limits period if somebody did really do that stuff we'll see what happens uh I'd said earlier I had watched the Hulu edition this week, but I have also heard that I missed what might be the best thing that happened on Monday Night Raw in Constable Corbin. Yes, sir. Can you fill me and the listeners in on that? I absolutely can. Constable (laughs) Corbin is, I think, the best thing that's happened to Baron Corbin since he's been called up to the main roster. Wow, not even Money in the Bank? Uh, Yeah, you saw how that turned out. No, this is is great. Okay, so Stephanie... Pretty big deal to win the briefcase. Stephanie McMahon basically said... Uh, I don't like what Kurt Angle's doing on the show. You now have the authority to overrule Kurt Angle if you want. Uh, So in a sense, now he is a mini authority figure heel. And he definitely put that to use on this show. Uh, You had Kurt Hawkins coming out and celebrating his first victory in 199 losses over a local jobber uh, named, ironically, James Harden. But uh, he was going to give tacos out to the crowd. Uh, Corbin came out and uh, gave an end of days to the uh, the jobber costing Kurt uh, Kurt Hawkins the match. And then he basically Kurt put Kurt through a bunch of tacos, uh, basically saying, you know, this is now I don't like this. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. Not on not on Constable Corbin's watch. And then later we had a a three on three women's tag match. Riot Squad versus uh, Sasha. And I strangely enough, Alexa and Mickey, um, Alexa faked a leg injury and left. Bailey comes out and inserts herself into the match and then ends up beating uh, the Riot Squad, ends up winning. And then Corbin in the back says, no, 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 no. She shouldn't have been in that match. Kurt, I need you to overrule this uh, this ruling. Uh, and it's my authority to do that. This is this is a couple different aspects that were interesting about this. So Constable Corbin, a lot of fun. I, I, I look forward to seeing where they go with it. It's very entertaining. What happened to ref's Let's, decisions being final? What this, that's one of the things I was going to go to is like, really, the, I thought the ref's decision were final. Uh, according to the Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar outcome at right. British Royal Rumble, but right. don't forget, Nick, the authorities, memory. the authorities screwing him over. That's, oh, yeah, that's yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, but you know, here's the thing. So Sasha got mad at Bailey and stormed off. So we still are kind of you know simmering this everlasting Bailey Sasha non feud. But uh, in addition, that made Bailey look like a complete idiot. Complete idiot. You she come, has since she's come to the main roster. It, it did nothing for her character. Again, it made her look like a like a like a moron for coming out, inserting herself into a match, and assuming that she won. When in a sense, all she did was get her team disqualified. She's been on the main roster now. She had one of the best runs, uh, or she uh, dropped the belt to Oscar for the long reign. Correct. Yes. Uh, since then, she's been on the main roster, and I I struggle to think of one thing that has gone well for her or that has made her look awesome. Since she's been on the main roster, there has not been much. You had like when she first got called up, it was weird that she got called up for a one off and then came up later. No explanation of who she was or her character. That's right. And she, you know, she had a uh, a couple of victories and uh, championships. And then all of a sudden that horrible, horrible feud with Alexa Bliss just stopped her cold kibosh. And it's just been nothing since. So. Mm. Another another step down the rung for Bailey this week, or another another knock on the head. Uh, the tag team division, by the way, in Raw, still garbage. We had a uh, tag team battle royale, which uh, for some reason Drew McIntyre and Ziggler were eliminated from first. Ziggler getting knocked out by Tyler Breeze, and uh, then they both cleaned house. They both back, got back in, kicked everyone's ass, and left. And I was waiting for Drew McIntyre to get frustrated at Ziggler 
for costing him the victory. I was wondering if they were planting a seed for that, but no, the match continued. And because of an error uh, between Heath Slater and Rhino, the B team picked up the victory. So they are now the number one contenders for the Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy tag team championships. This is where we're at right now. The B team versus the deleters of worlds in the tag team division. I, I have no words. We say this every week. Where's AOP? Um, I, I, what are I you literally doing? have no words. We, what are we doing with Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler who are just, I mean, every time you see, I mean, in this match, you saw Drew McIntyre look like a Greek God surrounded by little boys. And it was, it was frustrating for me, not just because I'm a McIntyre fan, which I will openly admit that I am, but it's inarguable that that guy has more going for him than everyone in that division, not necessarily because of their talent, because there are some wildly talented people in that division, but because his entire game is on lock. He knows how to go out there and look like a top of the card superstar. And for some reason, he's down there with all these other guys who have been made to look like goons and jobbers for months on end now. And I, no one, in my opinion, came out of this looking good, except for the B team had another, another one of their funny celebrations. But that's only, that's, to me, that's a flash in the pan. That's only going to be funny for so long before you know th- their gimmick runs dry. So it's, it's, it's not looking good in the raw tag division. That being said, I'm coming around on the top of the card a lot. They really do have a lot of good talent at the top of the raw yeah. card. And, uh, you know, like we look at the money in the bank participants, we look at the, at, at the, the singles at the top of the card. Like there's a lot of good stuff up there and they're doing some good stuff, some mm, entertaining stuff with it. Yeah. So, uh, except for, except for Lashley and Zane, which just, <laughs> dear God, <laughs> speaking of travesties, dear God, well, hey, that's everything that went down on Monday night raw this week. Uh, let's finish things up and finish the lineup for money in the bank over on SmackDown live. So I want to start with the women's division on SmackDown because okay. we, more than half the show, almost two thirds of the show, were were women centric, uh, either because they were just singles matches or because they were involved in matches. But they, yeah, they were all over this show, uh, and in in a really good, entertaining way. We started off with Carmella coming out and being just the heel queen that she is. She's so freaking obnoxious, and that's the point, and it's great. Uh, running down Oscar and saying, "Oh, Oscar's lost her mojo." She made her a brand new video package. Yeah, showing how she's like losing right yeah. and left and kind of twisting history. It's great. Uh, I, I think if you put her in the Iconics in the middle of the ring, there'd be a riot. <laughs> that people would actually storm the ring. They're, they're so obnoxious. It's great. But Oscar uh, comes out to confront her, and then uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville come out to confront Oscar. which Paige then comes out and makes a match and, t- and asks Oscar, hey, Oscar, you know, you have a match tonight. Do you want to face Sonya Deville? Or Mandy Rose. You had Mandy Rose last week. Yeah. Do you want um, Do you want Sonya Deville this week? Yeah. And and Roscoe goes, No, nah, I'll take both. Give me them both. Give me both. And uh, so Carmella goes and sits ringside on commentary, which, by the way, she's also brilliant at. Yeah. And she was wildly entertaining. And tag teaming with Saxton or tag teaming with Corey to make fun of Saxton. Oh, was, it, yeah. it, that commentary segment was probably one of my best things that happened this whole if, week. If you are down on Carmella for any reason, I can see how you might not be 100% on her in-ring work, but she gets the job done with what she has. Yep. She's not going to be one of the four horsewomen. She's not. But that girl can entertain and she's the total package as far as a heel is concerned, in my opinion. Um, not only that, she can she can talk on the mic. She's smart. Uh, Oscar has this match, ends up beating both Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose, which was great. Makes Oscar gives her that strength back, reinforces the fact this is Oscar. She's a killer. But one thing I want to point out, 
I wanted I want a feud between Sonya Deville and Asuka. Those two are awesome in the ring together. That was some great chemistry. I don't yeah, know if you was. noticed that. Like, I did. I did. I, and it needs to be more of a singles than just you know the it tagging in and out of Mandy Rose. But I, 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 the match last week with Mandy Rose and Asuka, we have, we have this conversation a lot where certain superstars can elevate whoever you put them in the ring with, and I think Asuka might be one of those. Uh, it's gonna, absolutely is. Well, of course, but I mean, we haven't seen that many exhibitions of her yet on the main roster. But I think all of these. Um, all of these girls that are coming up and facing her now, like Mandy Rose looked fantastic this, last week. They both look fantastic again this week. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more to do with Asuka and her ability to uh, to call the matches that way. And it makes me hopeful for the Carmella match, to be honest with you. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's a good point. Like, I whatever, thought about that. Whatever the outcome is, I'm actually more excited about the Carmella match because Asuka has been on a roll of looking really good in other matches and making other people, as you say, look good in her match. I'm curious to see what the outcome is. Um, I, I'm going to be pretty irritated if Carmella beats her clean, but, uh, as far as the actual action of happen, (laughs) I hear you, I hear you. Uh, Oh, that's so you poor, sweet summer child. Uh, it's still real to me. It's still real to you, buddy. Uh, another woman's match we had in the show, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte. Flair. Well, I'm going to have some unpopular opinions here. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, well, I'll I'll give the rundown really quickly. Right. It was it was basically an exhibition match. You yeah. know, they didn't really have any stakes to it. No. They're both in Money in the Bank, so it, was, it had a little bit of relativity to that, I suppose. But it was for a lot of people who've been you know fans of Becky and fans of Charlotte for a long time. This was like, oh, cool, we finally get to see the friends. Fight. And they did a good job storytelling how they were friends, but they were having a competition. And at the end, there was some sportsmanship and Becky checking on Charlotte to make sure that she was all right after Becky made her tap out in the disarmor, which was great because it made that move look a lot more devastating that it took out Charlotte, of all people. Uh, Becky Lynch did get a win. Did get a win. It's been uh, two, Four two years now. Freaking ever. I think this might have been a gimme because I don't think she's winning money <laughs> in the bank. They have to keep some sort of. Right. They had to keep her looking some sort of good. But please, what are. So what was your. I, I thought this was great. I thought this was a great little exhibition match. I liked a lot of the storytelling. What was your opinion on it? Oh, boy. I'm almost scared to say this because of the backlash that might come from it. <laughs> that's never stopped you before. Um, That's true. That's true. Um, I'm really down on Becky right now. Oh. I my heart actually and it the funny thing is is that after two losses to Carmella and after we saw that amazing match at WrestleMania with Charlotte and Asuka and it wasn't even four to five star it was still kind of middle of the road match that one Charlotte and Asuka and then you see Charlotte lose to Carmella a couple of times after the cash in all that stuff and and then she goes and loses again to someone who I think is a subpar wrestler you think Becky Lynch According, is a subpar wrestler compared to Charlotte Compared to in Charlotte. kayfabe, you're talking. Uh, sure. I said, no, you're not talking about actual technical ability. Fine. But from what you see in the ring on the main roster of WWE, fine. Now you see Charlotte lose to Becky Lynch after all of that. Uh, I think Charlotte is arguably the best, if not one of the best, women's wrestlers in WWE right now. And to see her go on this kind of losing streak to kind of, I don't know, is it is she taking one for the team? Is she is she doing is doing this to kind of reinvent her character maybe somehow i don't know i just i don't i don't see they have not shown me in kayfabe that becky lynch is a better wrestler than charlotte flair is it's cool to see the disarmor come back it was a devastating move two or three years ago but we haven't seen much of it since then just a little bit here and there i just i'm she's a lot of fun she's got great presence i just don't think she's the in-wing in-wing worker in-ring worker that she used to be well but here's the thing i think this is their way of showing you 
that yes, Becky Lynch still got it, and Charlotte is not as good as we maybe thought she was. I personally thought that the match between Asuka and Charlotte at WrestleMania was one of the best matches on the show. Agreed. I just didn't. I didn't like the finish to it. I thought Asuka tapped out. Oh, the instant too, tap out was literally stupid. the only issue I had with it, and it was a nitpick, was that Asuka tapped out too quickly. I, I would have wanted to see Asuka hang out longer, hang on longer, but that's just a complete nitpick on yep. my part. The thing is, is that from that point. Charlotte had been built up to be too strong. There was no way anyone else in Money in the Bank was going to compete with her. So having this match where Becky Lynch comes along and is able to beat her not only elevates Becky Lynch, who up until now had been looking a little weaker, and probably that's why you're down on her. Yeah. But in addition, it, it makes Charlotte look a little stronger. Or humanizes sorry, a little weaker. It humanizes Charlotte a little bit. Thank you. Brings her back down, weakens her a little bit, so that the, the playing field's a little bit more even. She's not this you know undefeatable goddess. That you, that's Alexa, Alexa uh, undefeatable queen, excuse yes. me, <laughs> that uh, that would just go in and, and basically rampage over everybody uh, if you had her at the power level she was at before this. So I thought that this match did do a good job of establishing that, that Charlotte is mortal and Becky's better than maybe in kayfabe we thought she was. Mm, okay. So just, just, just go with it. Uh, another, another match we had on the show, which I thought was fun, but not that important, was uh, the Money in the Bank uh, competitors match where you had the New Day, who we still don't know, who's going to the Money in the Bank from the New Day, Biggie. But uh, they were facing off against Miz and Rusev and Samoa Joe. I thought this was a really interesting uh, dynamic between all these guys. Three very self-interested guys yeah. was what I thought about going into the match. Like, which one's going to turn on the other one sooner? Which, of course, was exactly what it of was. Course. Was at the end, Miz accidentally, you know, he's trying to throw pancakes at the New Day, and he ends up hitting Rusev and, and, and uh, Joe, and they both beat him up and leave, which I thought was kind of stupid. But yeah, it, it was. But fine, whatever. That's... It, the, again, the match didn't really have a purpose other than to establish that no one's on anybody's side and, you know, the New Day's still a lot of fun, et cetera, et this cetera. This match but, was useless completely. The only thing to talk about here was Samoa Joe on the mic. That's, that's really all this comes down and to. You, you, you read my mind. That's oh exactly where I wanted to go is that that guy might be the best dude on the stick in the company right now. We like we like being hyperbolic, but that's it's really, I think, a pretty solid argument to say that that guy is on another freaking level right now when it comes to his promo he th th he makes himself look terrifying he's eloquent he's he's able to play to the camera to who he's speaking to as far as the interviewer he's able to get all of his points across uh, clearly and, and let you know his perspective on them and he's he makes you want to watch these matches he makes you want to watch him you may not like him but you want to watch him and he's, yeah he's absolutely murdering it um, I thought Rusev in this match kind of faded into the background. Yeah. I, I, interestingly enough, for the guy who was as massively over as he was a couple of months ago, he's kind of fading away a little bit. Well, there's a little bit of Corpus Christi there, too. Well, and Corpus Christi was pretty hype up compared to uh, Houston uh, the night of before, being hyperbolic. which was, which was okay, come strange. Um, well, we'll get in. I wanted to talk about the fact that they seems like they're trying to throw the Rusev Day heat onto another part of Rusev Day. We'll get into that in a second, because before we get to that, I do want to talk about the contract signing that we had tonight for the last man standing match between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. Why didn't we do this in the ring? Well, this was, it was interesting. This was an interesting way of doing this segment. Instead of doing it in the ring like we normally do, they did it backstage. A boardroom or something. boardroom table, like a set, basically. And you had a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of security guards around, and you had Nakamura and AJ. AJ in you know, a t-shirt and jeans, and Nakamura in a suit. Uh, and Paige presiding over the whole thing. 
I liked this. This was this was unusual. It's something we don't see. And I liked the fact that there was a dynamic to this we didn't see. It wasn't the physicality. There was physicality here, as you expect at, at wrestling signings. But there was not the kind of physicality you normally see. It was AJ being frustrated and you know almost like he was just pent up to his to his nose, like he just was ready to burst the entire time. Nakamura is very casually they're sitting there knowing that he's wildly in AJ's head, and AJ's like, "Fine, I want this match." Signs it, turns it to Nakamura. Nakamura takes a look at the pen and goes, "This pen's out of ink." Tosses it away. Give me your pen to AJ. Takes AJ's pen, looks at it very closely, and goes this pen's broken and throws it at AJ who then comes over the table at Nakamura and tries to get at him because he's just, he can't take it anymore. He wants this guy so bad. <laughs> I loved that dynamic. I love the storytelling there. And the fact that AJ got so frustrated and just freaked out. He even threw like a little slap at Nakamura that actually hit him. Oh, he opened on face, the way slapped out. him just in the face as he was getting dragged away by the security guards. It was, it was very well done. It didn't, it didn't feel too forced or too scripted or theatrical. You know what I mean? It, it was, was a little theatrical. Well, yeah, yeah of course. Come it was on. a little theatrical. We're in LA. It's theatrical. It's a little theatrical, <laughs> but it was also, it had enough good fire to it. And then Nakamura at the end, of course, just reaching into his jacket, pulling out a pen and signing it on his own, be like, last man standing, I'm out and taken off. That was, it was great. It was just a little bit to remind us that match is happening. And I, I thought it did its purpose. And it was unique enough that it stood out in your mind. It stood out in my mind as, as being one of the more memorable things about SmackDown. I agree. And it's the, I, he got a little. He got up to that level of being upset when uh, Shane and Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens and Sammy were doing their thing earlier this year, and he got in the middle of it somehow. And he remember he had to keep had to keep having title matches. Yeah, he kept the, getting frustrated and, and saying, "Why are you guys doing this to me?" That's the last time I've really, or the only time, other time that I've really seen him get this frustrated. I've, I don't think I've ever seen him like this level of psychologically psyched out. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Is so two things I wanted to talk about this. One, I thought it was. Uh, curious that Paige phrased it like till one of you guys is left standing. Like she made it pretty clear we're not going to see a tie. Right. This is one thing that the uh, listeners and us were discussing uh, about what match they were going to do next back when we didn't know. And we said, well, last man standing doesn't make sense because that was kind of what they just did. Yeah. And there was a tie. And you could theoretically have a tie with last man standing as well. What I think they were saying here was there will not be a tie. There has to be a winner. There has to be a winner in this match. Paige made it clear we're not having a double count out. I don't know if it was that clear, but I think it was clear enough that that's what they're going for. So cool. I'm happy to hear that. Um, the other aspect of this was as far as you know the writing of it is how in AJ's head Nakamura is how twisted AJ is right now. And it's going to make it one of those things where if Nakamura loses, it's going to make him look terrible because how can you lose to someone who's just this wound up? Yep. How, you, how you've just messed up this bad. So it, it makes me hope that they figure out a way for Nakamura to beat AJ and keep AJ looking good. Um, or if Nakamura has to lose, if they have some sort of thing where AJ, you know, gets this out of his system and calms down and whatever it is. I'm liking the storytelling so far. Yeah. I'm very curious to see where they're going. In, in a perfect world, I mean, this sets it up where Nakamura does have his number. It gets He gets the title at Money in the Bank, and AJ goes on this kind of redemption tour for the rest of the summer leading up to another big match at yeah. SummerSlam. All, all I know is I hope Nakamura stays heel forever because this, this God, is, is This is going to go. I've been saying it for a while. This is going to go on all year. Uh, this is going to be one of those feuds that just goes on forever, and I am not mad at it at all. I don't, I don't know if Nakamura is going to, and AJ is going to go on all year, but it'll definitely go on. I hope it goes for a while. 
Dude, it's already June. This. You know it's you know, June, right? They, they did We're say, halfway so, done the year. So one of the, well, yeah, but it started, a, a, what, a month and a half ago, WrestleMania. But there's, my, my point is, is that I think that the, the fact that they put in the promo package the, the next chapter in this in this feud, they didn't say the last chapter. They said the next, next chapter. chapter yeah. So that I thought was was uh, yeah. hopefully telling. This goes at least to SummerSlam, if not beyond. I hope so, if, especially if it keeps doing interesting segments like this. Although right. I don't know how much more they could build this up. I mean, uh, we did have a mixed tag match is what I want to talk about. The other half or the other parts of Rusev Day, Aiden English and Lana versus Jimmy Uso and Naomi. Bit so of, elements of the mixed match challenge now coming onto the TV show. Elements of it, and it was definitely a fun match. Yeah. You know, a lot they were definitely having a good time with some of the spots. This is fallout from the dance-off segment last week, which was, as we said last week, innocuous. is not as bad as it could have been. It was pretty good. Uh, and this match was pretty good. It was, it was surprisingly compelling for a match that really didn't mean a whole lot. Uh, it was actually more entertaining than a lot of things on Raw, which is crazy to think when we're talking about the fact that Aiden English and Lana were half of this match. Uh, I know you're an Aiden English fan, but you know I'm also a Lana fan, and you're also well. Okay, there you yeah. go. But no one like it's hard Aiden, not to be a fan of Lana. Aiden is less than a year out of being a stone cold jobber. Yeah, and Lana has had mm, three matches on the main roster, four. Maybe all title and is not and is not not known for being exactly a massive technical wrestler here or anything. Sure. But this was a this was a watchable match. It was entertaining. Um, But this was and I thought they were pushing so hard to get that Lana chant over that, you know, Aiden's pushing so hard now trying to get Rusev Day to work on Lana. And it's like they're pushing that heat more towards Lana now and not Rusev. And it's just bizarre to me. Mm, It's not for me. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and call one of my moonshots early for you guys. Uh oh. Lana takes the women's money in the bank briefcase next weekend, giving Rusev Day, the faction, one of the briefcases to run around and taunt everybody with. Because I don't think Rusev is going to win the men's. I've got another prediction for that, but I'll go ahead and give you guys this teaser. We can talk about it over the course of this week. I think Rusev Day is going to have a briefcase, and it's going to be the women's Lana. Yeah, I, and, and it's interesting because they did kind of stop that idea like where they were they had the one little segment where Lana put it in Rusev's head that Aiden was holding them back or holding him back and then they kind of dropped that really quickly. So you could be onto something, Lana could get yeah. it and then use that power to say and then that we could, they could restart that storyline. A lot of speculation we yep. can make here, but uh, moving on, we had a match between Harper and Carl Anderson, the typical, you know, singles match before the tag match that we would usually have. I suspect next week we're going to have Gallows versus uh, Rowan, something like that. This sure, Carl the Anderson going to lose. Carl Anderson picked up a surprise victory over Harper. <laughs> yes, he did. Which is great because that means they're they're going to get their butts kicked at uh, Money in the Bank. I don't know. I, don't I, know. I know. I'm really enjoying this push that uh, the Gallows and Anderson are getting right now. It's been what we've wanting for two years now. You have one more week to enjoy it. Oh. Set your t- set your set your stopwatch. You know. have one more week to enjoy the Good Brothers looking good before the Bludgeon Brothers absolutely destroy them. I think Bludgeon Brothers has been a failed experiment. Uh, so I think they're going to move on. You can think that all you want, but until a 78 year old in Stamford, Connecticut, thinks that is he 78 now. I don't know what he, he was is. 72 three months ago. He's 70 something. <laughs> He's seventy, whatever I say. He is. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, until he's sick, he's sick of them. They're going to just dominate, and right. he's not sick of them. Apparently, <laughs> uh, Daniel Bryan and Big Cass are still feuding, and we know this because Big Cass came out this week and cut one of his angry orange promos. Yep, 
And it was fine. It was fine. It was it wasn't really anything. But what was interesting about it, the thing I wanted to discuss about it, because it was just another I'm a big guy, I'm gonna beat up a little guy. Whoop de doo, I have a feud with Daniel Bryan. But he comes out and does it on the side of the stage with his back to the entire crowd the entire time. There's like a stage light on him there. And at a certain point, he kind of shoes Renee Young away and proceeds to give the rest of the interview as just a promo, just on his own. And then the camera starts cutting to the craziest goddamn angles of him. Like low, low Dutch is looking up at him and trying to show how tall he is. And it just kind of accentuated how badly his suit fits. But at the same time, it was just weird because they were just so obtrusive, these camera angles and these shots. And he seemed so unnatural talking essentially to the wall yeah. with all these people behind him. And, you know, back in like the 80s, I remember that they would do interviews out in the crowd with all the crowd in the background. I, I remember the only like the one that really jumps in my head is is Million Dollar Man. Um, making somebody like making that one kid try to dribble the basketball if he oh, dribbled yeah, enough yeah, times, yeah. like he would give a million dollars and he yeah. kicked the basketball at the end. Remember how they did? But they did that kind of up in the bleachers a little bit with the whole audience behind them. It reminded me of that, but it, this one didn't feel as part of the audience or as, as organic. This felt very much staged, and Cass felt like he was he didn't know where he was. Like as much as the promo was fine, there was just something just off about the whole thing they're experimenting you know maybe yeah, they're trying no, to do exactly. some new stuff and it's you know i give credit I, I will give credit to vince and kevin dunn and the rest of the team they're always looking for new ways to do this kind of Shake stuff things but, up sure yeah and, and get us more interested i would say after watching some of super juniors this week uh maybe you should go watch some of that stuff Kevin. <laughs> how, they, how they do the production of new japan doing, yeah and some of their camera work over well, there. Also, or get someone who can cut a confident promo in the situation like you know have this be samoa joe and have Cass give his promos in the back or yeah. something like that you know i don't know just a thought but something that just that stuck out in my mind about this particular uh, we care promo. about this no, this is just this is a time kill feud for Daniel Bryan. Uh, th- his contract is up September first, and he still hasn't resigned. Who? Daniel Bryan. Oh, really? Yeah, his, he still hasn't resigned on his contract. I have a feeling they're not going to give him any kind of big anything until he resigns. So this is basically just going to be what the kind of thing he's going to get, and it's for them. It's Cass working with a veteran and Cass getting to learn from Daniel Bryan. So they're investing in Cass by having him work with Daniel Bryan. It's more about Cass than it is about Daniel Bryan. I percent agree with that. And I'd, I'd rather see him you know, facing down Samoa Joe or something like that instead of Daniel Bryan, if I'm being honest. Well, that's just because I, you want Daniel Bryan somewhere else. Uh, no, it's not. It's because I want Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe to face off with each oh, other. Oh, I see what you're saying. You I know, see if, what you're saying. If, not if, Cass. I'd make Samoa Joe the crux of this conversation between Joe and... I'm sorry, between uh, Cass and Daniel Bryan. Because we're it's ultimately going to end up in a three-way between these three guys. I don't think so. I, think, I like Samoa where he is right now. I think he was part of this feud briefly. I don't know where he goes after Money in the Bank. Uh, I would love to see him get back with Daniel Bryan. I hope you're right. Yeah. Uh, one more thing on SmackDown to talk about. That was Sin Cara being given an interview backstage and talking about how it's just weird that this guy he's known since he was 14 and Andrade Cien Almas is now no longer acknowledging his existence. And uh, Zelina Vega comes in, yells at him. Andrade comes in, beats him up from behind. And that was the segment. Um, is, is So is a Sin Cara, as much as I, I'm, you know, I'm going to let the whole making up history thing go. It's wrestling. Kurt Angle has a, an illegitimate son named Jason Jordan. It's of course fine. he does. Fine. I'm going to I'm gonna move past that. How dare that. you question the integrity I'm of that? I'm moving past that. The bottom line I want to talk about here is, is Sin Cara the right feud to bring in Almas with? I don't know. I mean, we're seeing a lot of uh, stuff with Lucha Libre over on 205 Live with the Lucha House Party. Uh, I heard reference to it 
a lot. Uh, the the phrase Lucha Libre this week, I, I believe it was also on 205. I don't, I'm wondering if they're trying to garner that audience a little bit, if they're playing to that audience and having the legendary um, Andrade Cien Almas facing off with Sin Cara, it, it might be a way. I don't know. It might be a way that they're trying to go get that audience. So I let's play it out. Let's see what happens. I would love to see some legit like high flying lucha matches between those two guys. Well, this is the thing. I think Sin Cara is an underrated worker. I think he can yeah. work very well. Obviously, Andrade is amazing in the ring. Uh, I think they will have good matches, and I think that Sin uh, Sin almost can crush Sin Cara without it really hurting Sin Cara too much. And he's a good guy for him to work with coming in to give him good matches to make Andrade go over and look really good. Uh, in addition, um, I do think that they're trying to recapture that Rey Mysterio, uh, yeah. Al- Alberto Del Rio market. Uh, and I think they're looking as an, at Andrade as a guy who can do that. Yep. Um, so Plus the, Sin Cara, the, earlier this year, didn't he also sign a pretty big contract? Yes. And, and so we were speculating earlier this year that he was potentially going to get a big push out yeah, of this. Yeah, and I would, you know, I think I think it's there's a lot worse that you could do with, with Cien Almas totally. and Sin Cara than have them have a good, legit feud. And so far, I, I like the build they're doing with it. It's a little bit, uh, to me, it's a little light on the card. Like they're not, I don't think like they're, they're featuring it too much, but I'm liking what they're doing. Think we could a pre-show match at Money in the Bank with those two? <laughs> God, I hope it's not a pre-show match. I don't, I, no, I don't want anything of them at Money in the Bank. Keep it on <laughs> okay. SmackDown for a while and have it end up be a big match somewhere else. Um, one last note. Where's Jeff Hardy? I don't know. Where's Jeff Hardy? Did he fall in the lake of reincarnation? There's a, <laughs> there's a rumor that he pinched a nerve, but he has been working a lot of house shows. So I don't know. They don't have anything. Maybe they're letting him rest for right now and then giving him a, uh, so something to do after Money in the Bank. No U.S. title defense at Money in the Bank. No, sir. It doesn't mm, look like that. Okay. This is the problem with having uh, uh, combined rosters is some titles just aren't going to be on your show. Well, guys, there we go. SmackDown is in the books. Uh, We have one more show next week, both go-home shows, before we get to Money in the Bank, my favorite pay-per-view of the year. But that's not it for today. Uh, That's it for just the main roster. We're going to head over and talk about everything else that went on in the wide world of wrestling. All right, well, first in the wide world of wrestling, we have to talk about NXT, which opened up with Shayna Baszler coming out. Knew this was coming. And squaring off with Nikki Cross. If you watched the end of last week, you knew this was coming. Yeah, but this is great because they pretty quickly set up the fact that we will be Nikki Cross versus Shayna Baszler for the championship at TakeOver Chicago. Yes. I think think Nikki's a great pairing for Baszler. This was some great physicality they had this week where Nikki was just crazy and Shayna didn't quite know what to do with her. And uh, Nikki ended up standing tall in the ring. Uh, I think it's a good thing Nikki didn't get called up with sanity. I mean, they're nowhere to be found, and she's getting a title shot at TakeOver. So good point. People were complaining about her not coming up with sanity, but I think it's working out pretty well for her. Uh, I don't think she's winning, but it's going to be a good match, and I think it's a it's going to be a good match up for Shayna Baszler yes. and for Nikki. I, I, think- I don't. I, Nikki is the first one that has put Shayna Baszler on her heels, honestly, and and made her kind of scared or shook or whatever you want word you want to use well, again that's two weeks I, in a row now yeah and that's what i mean is that her character is good to play off shana and make her scared because sure. you know shana genuinely her, her heel character doesn't know what to do with someone like nikki cross you know it's, it's just out of her wheelhouse she's yeah. used to little girls like dakota kai who she can beat up so i think from a storytelling standpoint it works to have this crazy chick who can kick her ass show up uh, also, we had TM61 versus a couple of jobbers named Mike Hughley and Robbie Grand. This was a squash match, um, but TM61 are apparently officially 
heels now. No more feet on the ropes and maybe being heels. They were straight up assholes yep. in this match. Um, the only other thing that came out of it was that they are apparently now known as the mighty, not TM61. Which, But you know, TM61 stands for the mighty, 61 being the Australian world code, area code. Right. Right. So it's just basically a cleaner version of their name. I always thought TM61 was a little bit too confusing. Yeah. It's based on the mighty don't kneel, which was their indie name. So the mighty, fine, it works. I think that's actually a great idea for them to change their name. It's a good time to do it now that they're going heel. So, yeah. Uh, I, I did like, I think I think you're, you're about to say about the Lars thing they're, backstage. They're scared of Lars? Lars Sullivan beating up everybody in a ring. Yes. And who should walk in? TM61. Or, oh, I'm sorry, the Mighty. The Mighty. Walk in. Take a look at Lars killing all these little recruits. Yeah, he's doing a training session in the performance center, yeah. right? And just beating the hell out of eight or ten guys. And in the background, these the, the Mighty walk in the door and they look up and they go, nope. And nope. just shake their heads and turn around and walk back out. <laughs> Brilliant. Great moment. And it's just so subtly done. You can see the camera was kind of acknowledging they were there and then moving away. It was just a nice, it was a nice little touch. You could have, you know, blink and you miss it, but it was great. Uh, one of our listeners, I, I'm going to mispronounce this, but Roel, Roel Sheerans, uh, he was questioning about one of the guys that Lars was beating up and he was right up in the camera and clubbing the guy in the side of the head. He was saying that the guy was just wasn't selling it and, uh, you know, just kind of had this kind of, you know, blank expression on his face. Well, yeah, he's a trainee. I don't, yeah. you know, that's it doesn't surprise me. It's, he's it's a, a crash bummer. test dummy, basically. It's a bummer. Like he's gonna obviously they're gonna have to take him back and and be like, yo, dude, you gotta sell. You gotta yeah. actually look like you're getting hit and not just kind of like, well, this is my life now. You know, <laughs> sit there and no, there's a big guy hitting me. This is mm, this is why they I pay came, me money for this, this. Is why I came to Florida. <laughs> exactly. Doody doody do. This is what I want to be when I grow up. This is why I quit college. <laughs> yeah, it's actually no. We were both commenting on it when we were watching on the couch. Was that uh, well, that guy doesn't seem like he's having a good good time but he doesn't really seem like he's having any kind of time at all he's just kind of there i don't expect anybody would have a good time getting clubbed in the side of the head by lars sullivan no but there's, a, there's a difference between like not having any expression and being glassy like actively glassy eyed you know what i mean yeah. it's a just it's just a selling technique so yeah it was a, but you know whatever it's it's lars beating up dudes <laughs> neither of us all ever, on it. neither of us is ever mad at that uh nor are we ever mad at uh roderick strong and danny birch getting in the ring together. And we had a singles match this week between uh, Roddy Strong and Danny Birch. Well, to be clear, I, I do have, you know, I'll say heel undisputed era Roderick Strong to, to be completely fair. I have a lot of things, as you've heard over, over the last year of this show, to say about uh, Roderick Strong. Yes, yes. Who Regular you, you baby now, face crap Roderick Strong. He was fine. You're just a nitpicker. Fine. Uh, but this was a great match. It was, a, as, as we expected, a lot of stiff stuff, a lot of mat work. Uh, a, lot a lot of chain, of a, lot of, a lot of chain wrestling, and that, but as we expected, <laughs> the inevitable was, interference the by inevitable, the undisputed era. This is the kind of match we complain about on the main roster, yeah. where it's 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 two members of a tag team having a singles match, and then there's interference from the rest of their tag teams, and that's it. The big difference is is that it's a better told story between these two tag teams. There's history between members of the tag team. Pete Dunn was betrayed by Roderick Strong. There was some nice heat there once the interference started coming down. Um, there's there these two guys are fascinating to watch work. Whereas in the main roster, the matches are a little bit more bland. You yeah. know, we had we had the Carl Anderson and, and Luke Gallows match. Excuse me, Carl Anderson and Harper match this week, and it was kind of a bland match. It was fine. It was what it was, but it was very short and kind of nondescript. And that was the same match as this, except there was interference in this match. Uh, that being said, this was a great match that we were just genuinely disappointed when Undisputed Era came out and interrupted the match. Because they were really just getting going. It was just getting to, starting yeah. to get really stiff and, and enjoyable. And 
Oh, man, of course. Here comes Kyle O'Reilly and Pete Dunn. But that's the point, is we're supposed to be like, oh, God damn it. Yep. I want to see more of this match. Like, how dare they come? That, that's heel heat. Yep. You know what I mean? So that was... I was totally fine with how this worked, and I did like seeing Pete Dunn come in with some righteous fury on Roderick Strong. Yes, we're having that great. It's going to be an incredible three-on-three tag match at uh, at Takeover Chicago. Can't wait for that one. Um, I do know I might be able to wait for another match we got set up on this week. It's a match set up for next week: EC3 versus Cassius Ono. Hey, somebody can't get over, or they don't know how to work well in the system. Put them with Cassius Ono. Uh, here we go again. You know he's Mister Gateway. He's he's he is the Dolph Ziggler of NXT in Ouch. a sense. Well, yeah, except you know, he's he, a lot more fun to watch work and a better understood. character. Yeah, and he's it's unbelievable the things that this guy can do. I totally grant you that, but he's become this kind of uh, gatekeeper, like you said, to yeah. to allow talent to move forward. On the other side, they also debuting at the same time. You've got the amazing matchup headed for uh, Takeover with Velveteen Dream and Ricochet. Oh. I mean, just a counterpoint where the two the two different career paths are going yeah and the ricochet dream they had a video segment where the two of them were talking to the camera you know and yeah. then they showed some packages and and they've been going at each other on social media if you yes. if you follow them on twitter <laughs> they have just been throwing kayfabe out the window ricochet calling out uh velveteen dream for his time on tough enough and yeah, the fact getting kicked off getting kicked off a of tough enough uh Velveteen Dream opened it up with changing his profile picture to Prince Puma and saying that, uh, you know, he can't be, the, the Ricochet can't be both Prince and King. <laughs> and just throwing, you know, basically saying indie guys suck, essentially, going, yeah. for, that, going for that heat. But uh, it's been a lot of fun. I love that they even included it in this video package where Ricochet throws out there, oh, yeah, remember him from Tough Enough? He failed. And Velveteen Dream sitting back in his chair going, the Dream remembers none of that. Yep. Uh, it was great. Fantastic. We <laughs> let this match happen tomorrow. I'm yes. in. I'm completely in. I hope we get multiple versions of it, honestly. Uh, yeah, let it go for a while. I yeah. wouldn't be mad at that either. Uh, we also had Lacey Evans versus Kyrie Sane. The rubber match happened this week. Uh, some great work from both ladies. I, I like this match a lot. And uh, I like the, the new aggressive Kyrie. And I like Lacey Evans pulling out the new moves. Like the uh, she went to the second rope, bounced to the top rope to a moonsault. Yeah. Some great moves out of her this week. Um, which you normally wouldn't see out of, uh, I mean, you've seen it out of Charlotte a little bit, but not the springboardy kind of stuff. I mean, she's relatively compared to the other girls that are on the roster. She's a big girl. She's six foot. She's she's built. Uh, you normally wouldn't see someone of that stature doing that kind of stuff. But I mean, man, she pulls it off and looks like a million bucks. Have we ever seen Lacey Stanix as Charlotte? I wonder how she sizes up to Charlotte. I'd have to look, look into some stats. Yeah, I'll I'd get be, back I'd to you be guys. curious. I'd be curious. Uh, definitely see a, a high ceiling for her. Although, as I mentioned to you, she's not a spring chicken, and they have got to actually do something with her now. She, you know, yeah. she did lose to Kyrie Sane, so I don't know if they have big plans for her or not. It'd be nice if they did because she's definitely got the talent. Kyrie, obviously, they could do a lot with her. She ends up picking up the win here with her incredible, incredible elbow drop, yeah. as you'd expect, the insane elbow. But uh, I do like the new, more aggressive Kyrie. I think she's got to stick with that. It's too easy for her to be kind of cute. Especially yeah, you mentioned her, size. her gear looked like stardom. stardom yeah, she's got a little bit of stardom action yeah. going on with the, with the gear, which is a little bit more of a hard-hitting thing. So that might have been, been part of it. I also thought that Lacey Evans looked strong in, the, in defeat. So, oh, yeah. so who knows? Actually, I officially looked it up. Lacey Evans is 5'8". Charlotte is 5'10". Wow. So, yeah, there we go. Dang. Well, there you go. But Lacey's definitely, definitely jacked. So I think yep. of any of the women on the roster, she could definitely stand next to Charlotte. Um, so the last segment of NXT, more of the, the Ciampa Gargano build, more just Ciampa coming out, tearing apart the crowd, getting booed out of the building. 
And then Gargano coming out and kind of going to the dark side a little bit. He kind of got a little vicious. And he busted him wide open. He, dude. We, you know, the only time that we've seen that much blood on WWE TV was Reigns, this year's WrestleMania. Brock, yeah. Uh, in the Brock match, yeah. yeah. Uh, aside from that, they tried to cover up that much blood. And they tried to cover it up here, but he busted Ciampa open so bad, they just could not... They couldn't keep it contained. And then he put him uh, right as they were going off air, put him in the Gargano escape again, and it just started yeah, just, just spurting, spurting, oh, out, of, spurting out of his head. I wonder if it was that big vein that runs all over the way to the top <laughs> of Chompa's head. <laughs> all I know is, that, yeah, they've definitely done a good job of building this feud into something that is just gritty and brutal forever. And, and nasty. And I would not be surprised if Ciampa picked up the victory. Again, much like Nakamura, where he just seems to be yep. in Gargano's head. Gargano has you know kicked his wife to the side on this and said, I don't care about what you think. I'm going to go get this guy and kick his ass. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Gargano has to go through a redemption arc on this. The way that they've been building this whole thing, they've got a lot of story to tell here. So there's a lot more they could do with this. And still, one of my favorite feuds of this year. Absolutely. Uh, over on 205 Live, the saga continues for the Cruiserweight Championship as we see. I don't know. I don't, it's, it's sort of the buildup of the next step after the championship match that we had last week. This, this week's episode was kind of a big, oh, okay. couple of after, breaths. After we got uh, Cedric and, and Buddy Murphy last week. But we got promos from Mustafa Ali, Drew Gulak on commentary, all kinds of stuff of kind of starting to, to set the stage for who's going to be the next number one contender. Gulak's still one of my favorite characters in WWE. He's found that sweet spot between the over-the-top character work of the pre-Triple H 205 Live yeah. and the viciousness that he's been bringing to the ring in the post where he still has this very interesting, fun character, but he can also be a guy who can legit go in there and kick ass. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's scary. Um, uh, we had Lince Dorado versus Brian Kendrick. Gulak gets involved after Lince wins. It looks like we're going to get some some Gulak involvement in this anti uh, uh, Lucha House Party angle. Yeah, love seeing Lince Dorado have one on one time singles time. Yeah, it's, uh, we, I, I think he's the best one of those three. We both love him. We said yep. that many times. Uh, TJP had a match against a local jobber. This was fantastic. So this was a this squash. might be one of my spots of the week. It actually, was it was great. Uh, I haven't seen one of these in a long, long, long time. Where the heel character comes out and makes a mockery of his opponent while calling out the authority. Uh, because it's one of the few... Uh, NXT and 205 both have face GMs. Um, and not like Kurt, where he's kind of bumbling and still overshadowed by Stephanie, and not like Paige, who's still kind of finding her footing. You have genuine leader authority figures in 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 William Regal and Drake Maverick, where yep. they, they seem like they really know what they're doing, and they are controlling their product. And TJP feels like Drake Maverick is not giving him the competition he deserves. Because he didn't see TJP in his prime before he got here. Correct. Right. And so now TJP is bitching and moaning and saying right. he's going to go to other promotions. Maybe he's going to go to Raw to Raw or SmackDown or even NXT. And he takes this jobber and he keeps, you know, he beats him up while on the stick. He's submitting him while he's promoing. <laughs> yeah, he throws him he throws him in a leg lock and then starts talking on the mic about how this is this is BS. It was a lot of fun. TJP sold the hell out of it. Great work on on the mic and just doing all the things at the same time, you know, juggling, you know, patting his head while rubbing his stomach, essentially. Yep. So that was a great little uh I can do that. Can segment. you do that? I sure can. Sort of. <laughs> all right, we both just that that was a, a visual that no one <laughs> too no, bad we're not live on the no cameras. No one yet. listening is going to understand. We'll do it again when the cameras are live. Yep. Uh, Leo Rush yes, also announced he's NXT. Yeah, he skipped right past NXT. He had one NXT match, got kicked to the curb because of stuff he said on Twitter about Emma, 
And now he's going to 205 Live, and they gave him a nice little promo. Looks like he'll be coming in as, as, as an arrogant heel. This dude's going to be electric. Oh, my. Well, he, yeah, he's, I mean, the, this, he's the Flash. Yeah. Uh, he's not big, but he, man, is he fast. Uh, Leo Rush versus Cedric Alexander one day. Oh, I, oh, Leo oh, Rush versus oh, a lot of those guys. I'd yeah. be very excited to see. Mustafa Ali versus Buddy Murphy. The main event uh, there was, with, with as they said, implications towards who might be the next number one contender for Cedric's title. Right. Uh, it was a fantastic match uh, until Hideo Itami got involved and beat up both guys. Yes, Hideo Itami finally in the main event picture of 205 Live. It's about time. I'm glad that, that they they had him do a nice transition into being a full heel with the whole uh, thing with Akira Tozawa. Now he's heel, he's coming in, and he's going to be the X Factor and a little bit of, of new blood in what, for the last couple of months, has been the top of the card on 205 Live. Yeah. Uh, which, as we say every week, if you're not watching it, you're missing out. It's one of the best WD program. Bleh. WWE. Come on, Kurt Angle. Uh, come on, Sasha Banks. And uh, one of the best WWE programs that they have running right yeah. now. As, as far as Matt Wrestling is concerned in the WWE, you have to be watching 205 Live. Do not yeah. miss that. Just all kinds every of week. aerials and everything. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, it's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Speaking of which, we got to go over and talk about New Japan because it's a Woo! big time of the year for them. We just wrapped up the Best of Super Juniors Tournament. It ended up in the finals with my call to win the whole thing, Taiji Ishimori versus one of my favorite wrestlers, Hiromu Takahashi. And uh, they had a freaking incredible like 40, 45-minute match, just a war. It was a Meltzer five-star, wasn't it? Five and a half stars. Five and a half stars. Wow. Meltzer gave it five and a half. And, and you know, there's a lot of, Meltzer's a controversial figure when it comes to his rating system. But sure. this, it, the guy has been legitimately watching wrestling for years and years and years. Decades. If he says it's a good match, it's probably a damn good match. You yeah. can quibble about how many stars it gets. It's probably a good match. I don't agree this was a, a five and a half star match. It was definitely a damn, damn, damn good match. I, I was wildly entertained. He actually said he wanted to give it six stars, but because of all the dangerous spots, he had to lower it to five and a half because he didn't want to encourage wrestlers to do all these dangerous spots. I didn't really notice all of the dangerous spots. Like there weren't any that I was like super cringy, like, oh my God, he's dead kind of stuff. So I'm not really sure what he's referring to there. But that's because they're so good. Like there's a bunch of the, a bunch of the flippy spots and a bunch of the uh, um, the Rana takeovers. Oh, so the Frank, the yeah, the legit Frankenstein or yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of those that you know if they did wrong, someone's breaking a neck, yeah. and it was almost entirely you know five star moves in this match. They did not do a whole lot of basic moves in this match. Um, but your winner and the new champion of the best of Super Juniors, Daryl's dad. Hiromu Takahashi. Yes. I, I, I'm very happy to hear that. I know I, I called for Taiji Shimori, but Hiromu is a great choice as well. He'll be facing Will Ospreay at Dominion, which oh. is coming up tomorrow night. Um, and the, my favorite thing about this was him breaking the, the trophy <laughs> yeah. after he got it. Uh, unintentionally, I, I thought I was going to make the joke at first. No, he, wasn't, he didn't pull a Naito. He didn't pull a Naito. I was going to say Big Brother Naito would have been proud, but he was <laughs> he was definitely not happy he did it. He prostrated himself in front of the uh, the broken trophy. It was great. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so Dominion coming up next. Uh, wow. That's come, it's, the card on this is freaking this insane. This is arguably a better card than what we had on Wrestle Kingdom six months ago. I, you know what? I'm there's, just saying. There's an argument for that. Uh, we don't have Jay White in a prominent spot. That, for one thing, is a big... Th I'm not a big Jay White fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you're, if, you're, uh, if you're a knife pervert fan, then I'm sorry. Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada again. 
the, we the, get it the, again. The fourth, the fourth meeting of them, uh, Okada won the first one in, I believe, 46 minutes. The second one went to a time limit draw at an hour. The third, Kenny Omega rallied to beat Okada in a 30-minute time limit. At the G1 last year. At the G1 uh, after they both went through hell (laughs) to get to that match. So this is the rubber, rubber match. This is They both have one win win and a tie. This is the big blow-off. It is best of three falls, no time limit. This could go just endlessly. This is going to be an hour and a half match. It's going to be an hour and a half of Rainmakers and 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 One-Winged Angels. V-Strikes. Will the One-Winged Angel get kicked out of? That's the big question. I mean, there's so many aspects of this match that if Kenny loses here, will he ever get a match? At Okada again. Uh, if he doesn't win here, Okada is is a sure thing to be the all time winningest or or longest title reign. I should yes. Say. If he if if Okada wins at Dominion, he will have the all time longest reign in modern Japanese history wow. and all across all promotions. So it's it is a it's a big deal across the board. Uh, we're we're about to do listener questions in a second here after this segment. Uh, I want to actually jump ahead really quickly okay. because. Uh, Aaron Collier, one of our listeners, asked, "Who wins, Okada or Omega? And once they win, oh, man. what happens next? Where do they go from there?" Oh, we there? get to fantasy book this one now. Finally, I, uh, yeah, I've got a quick answer. I, I think Kenny Omega's taking it. I think Kenny Omega's taking it. I think he's. A, I think he's taking it. And then I think I there's mean, finally enough drama because it will deny Okada of that title reign record. And because of how they're going to carry it forward into the G1, yeah. I think Kenny Omega carries it forward into the G1. I think so. And also because I think the Bullet Club Civil War is winding down. I yeah. think the Golden Lovers thing is winding down. And I think that they'll come here and have Cody versus Kenny Omega at the G1 special in San Francisco at the Cow Palace. That'll oh. be their big match there. I want to see Okada get that record, though. I, well, I'm he's so already torn. got... He has the New Japan record right now. So he, he has broken all of the, the company records. Oh. So, but I could I could see Kenny and Cody finishing their feud at the G1 special at the Cow Palace because it's going to be a larger draw in the states, and they need a big card because they got to sell out that show. I'm so torn; like I have anxiety over this match. Oh yeah, this is like the only one that's like really tripping me up in my head, going, "Oh God, yeah." Both of these guys need to win. I can't wait for this freaking match. Oh my God, um, I'm also really excited. It's going to be about the- four o'clock in the morning, I guess, our time when it's going to come on. So it's it's going to be one of those where I either have to sleep or I'm gonna, I'm just going to be making pots of coffee. Caffeinated, yeah. caffeinated cell. Um, yeah, I'm going to be racing home from work to watch that guy. Uh, so the another big match I'm excited for: Jericho versus Naito. This has been a great build to this match. <laughs> yeah. This has been an awesome build. Jericho's been cutting some hilarious, just filthy promos, and he busted Naito open with a ring bell, which you never see happen. Naito with a crimson mask. Uh, it's been a great build. I don't think Jericho's beating Naito. No, I don't either. I think Naito retains, which is I think is a bad idea because Naito is terrible for the Intercontinental belt. He never brings it out with him. He spent a ton of time last year openly disrespecting it. Um, this year, he's being a bit more mellow about it. But I can't see Jericho picking up the Intercontinental belt because he can't defend it on American soil. Has, is there any word? Is, is Jericho kind of going event by event now? Has he yes. been booked? Is there any chance he shows up in the G1? No, because he because of his WWE ties, he won't do any shows in America. Okay. 
Um, which is the only thing he's got going that's kind of like that is his Jericho cruise, which right. which they've recently, by the way, confirmed that Impact Wrestling will be having active talent there. There's going to be a whole really? Impact. So Jericho might actually be doing some work with Impact, which would then void some of his work with WWE, which means we might be able to see him at G1, but some things would have to change between now and then. We that's have a the month. only way I would see him getting this victory over Naito. If Jericho gets the belt, expect something to go down with him coming to America because yeah. there's no way they'd put the belt on him if he couldn't defend it over Exactly. With, with a lot of the, the you know stuff they're trying to do here in America. Obviously, as we said before, we're getting Osprey versus Hiromu for the junior heavyweight belt. That's going to be a show stealer. Um, we've got, uh, this is a crazy one. Jushin Thunder Liger, the legend. Hiroshi Tanahashi, another legend. And Rey Mysterio. What? Three legends versus Cody, Hangman Page, and Marty Skrull. Oh, no. Yeah. So Bullet Club versus the like these three legendary guys. That's going to be a great tag match. Um, for the heavyweight tag championship, we've got Sonata and Evil, who've held it for a while since, I believe, Wrestle Kingdom, uh, versus the Young Bucks, who've now recently gone heavyweight. So now they can challenge for this. I expect the Young Bucks to pick up this one and get their first uh, heavyweight I do too. tag belt. because they- It'd be pretty awesome to see uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks running around, even though they've broken With- up. But, they might get back together. Like, yeah. It's amazing how gold fixes feelings. Re- reform all of this and yeah. just kind of kick Cody to the side. Could that be an interesting thing? <laughs> no. Cody, Cody, Co- Cody is way too much in a role right yeah, now, man. <laughs> <laughs> Cody's a hot property for them. I think I think they'll figure this out soon. Um, for the never open weight belt, we've got uh, Michael Elgin, Taichi, and, Her- and the champion, Hiroki Goto. Um, I could see Goto dropping it. I, I mean, Elgin's contracted through 2020, I believe, with New Japan. So they obviously have gone all in on him, even though he's a piece of dirt yeah. in real life. Um, Taichi, I could see picking it up. He's got a lot of heat. People hate that guy. He's like X-Pac heat, but he's also a really good heel. So I don't know. This is the match I don't really care so much about, uh, which is too bad because I love Hiroki Goto. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that's that. We also have... Uh, this is a match that I am interested in because it's just four dudes who I love fighting for nothing, but it's going to be entertaining as hell. Toru Yanu and Tomohiro Ishii versus Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> That's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be just slap nuts. We, yeah. we saw we saw this one. Um, I believe it was this exact match uh, back at uh, Strong Style Evolved in Long Beach. So that and, huh. and when okay. I saw it there now, granted, I say that I think we saw that because I was I you was were on flying. another planet. I was so sick watching that <laughs> show. I had such bad food poisoning. I don't really. I remember there was a lot of hard hits. That was about yeah. all I remember. Uh, also, we've got David Finlay. And Anytime Juice. you put Ishii and Suzuki in a match together, that's going to be stiff AF. It's you gonna, know what I mean? It's going to be oh, brutal. <laughs> and then and Toriyana's going to run away. Oh, yeah. Uh, David Finlay and Juice Robinson versus Yoshihashi and Jay White in the I don't give a crap match. And then for the junior heavyweight tag belts, the champions, Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanomaru versus Rapongi 3K, who, by the way, Sho and Yo, I will admit, I, I slept on them. I thought they were good when they first came back, but my God, these guys went on singles runs in the, in the best of Super Juniors, and they are both incredible. Wow. Why I, hasn't I that am, shown through in their tag, I tag have, matches? It has. It has. It just, I, I didn't grasp mm. How good these guys were! I love their matches with the Young Bucks were fantastic. This, I yeah, I expect them to pick up the win here and hold the junior heavyweight belts again, and you know continue just being amazing. Yeah. So that is Dominion. Oh boy, I'm stoked. Grab NewJapanWorld.com and watch it streaming live. 
coming. Uh, what is it? We're Pacific time, so it's midnight over here, 3 a.m. Eastern, uh, Friday night. It is the start time, which will be technically tonight, uh, tomorrow morning, right? Uh, no, Friday night, Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Okay, yeah. so we've got another 24 plus, 36 hours to get there. So. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, definitely watch that this weekend, and then next weekend's Money in the Bank. we got a couple of good weeks of wrestling here to talk about. Uh, you mentioned we had a listener question earlier. Yeah, let's get to our listener Aaron. questions segment. We had a lot come in this week, guys, and thank you for That's all of awesome. the uh, the questions and comments and and uh, and talking points. And so, luckily, uh, we have a little time this week to talk about yeah. it. I've been excited to do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We wanted to make sure we uh, save some time for all that. So let's start thing off. Start things off with our boy here in L.A. Deuce Elefante. Will the B team get the tag titles? Uh, let me think. No, no, they will not. I think they might. Really? I think they might. Just, just is, has the, the tag t- division fallen that low? Just as I mean, where it's at rock bottom right now. I mean, Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy are your tag team champions. Like, why, 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 how, why? Who cares? Yes, there's nothing else going on in the tag division. Why not just as an fu put them on there, give the guys the rematch clause so they get them back? Because just, this is you talked look to at earlier. what work the Miz Taraj has done for Miz and WWE for the last year plus. They're not, that's, you know, so it's, it's a reward. It's a spot reward. I think they could possibly do it. Now this is going to be a pre-show match at, at, at Money in the Bank, and it will be a a title retention. The B team will pick up. They, I, I, I don't know. They could maybe win by DQ, but not pick up the belts. Sure, I don't know. and just sell. Celebrate winning by DQ. And they don't I get just want to see after all these years, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel get some love, man. Yeah, because they they come from a lineage of wrestlers, and it's just it's about time. Yes, but you know, personal personal uh, uh, feelings aside, I just don't see it realistically. Fair. I don't either. All right. So Corey <laughs> Roberts asks: Is there any way to salvage the Nia and Rousey feud, and if so, how? No. <laughs> Next question. At this point, I, I'm going to agree with you. At this point, it's too late. Let it happen. It's just yeah. got to. It's got. We just got to have the match and get over it. They had a chance to save it in the last two weeks. At this point, it's this just is arguably too far worse gone. than Reigns Lesnar at this point. Uh, I just said that. This is arguably worse than that. That's how you know, bad this is. Yeah, arguably, arguably. I'm not going to say it's a hard yes, but arguably, yeah. I don't. At this point, no. I don't think that. I don't think in one show they have one show left to save it. I do not think that they're going to be able to pull anything off that's going to make me go, now it's a good feud. Let me ask a follow-up question off the back of this one. Do they put the belt on Ronda right away? God, they really shouldn't. They could. They could. I, they I, paint I, her a million and a half all right, bucks. Hot take. Yep. Hot take. I think that she could win it and then have Natalia cash in her Money in the Bank briefcase, which she just oh, won previously in the night. And, and cash in on her and take the title off of her, causing a whole new feud. You're calling Natalia to take money in the bank? Uh, I'm saying this is one thing that could happen. Oh, uh, okay. I'm okay. saying hot take. If she wins okay. it, they could okay. easily get it off her. I don't sure. think, I do not think she should be the champ this early. Okay. I do not think no. that. No, no way. I hell. really don't. They, now, will she be? Possibly, but they would be insane, insane to do it. Uh, Eric Elledge, Eric Ellis, uh, he asks, will NXT or 205 Live become a cable mm. show? Uh, and if they if it does, will that clear up some space for an all-women show on the network? Well, NXT was on USA. I'm not, I'd have to look into it, Eric. I'm not sure if it's part of that USA NBC deal for, for Raw. Uh, I don't believe so. It's but not. I, uh, but I do know that NXT was being broadcast on there. I think they should just keep those on the WWE Network and just leave it alone. It's it's enough reward. If anything, 
I, what they, I would love to see them do, which we know they're not, we've discussed this ad nauseum at this point, uh, is just have all of the shows on the network available and put them up on TV. But at the same time, I just, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to. Here's happen. the thing: they need to actually, what they need to do is balance their content, and that is, they need to be able to to get their money's worth from giving content to these TV providers and making that TV licensing money. Yeah. At the same time, have enough value on the network. And to do that, they need to keep certain things on the network. Um, NXT weekly shows is not that watch, but takeovers are their highest watch thing on the network. Agreed. So, the, uh, as far as that goes, could NXT go to a cable service? Yes, it absolutely could. Has that been discussed yet? No. And it's not the sort of thing that you do when you go in there and say, you know, when you're discussing selling one of your programs for multi multi hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars you don't say hey we also have this thing over here do you want to look at this as well if it happens they're not it's interested be, in that well not at this point yeah they want to they want to have your initial commodity prove itself and then talk about your other stuff as well um uh, because they because th- at this point NXT and 205 are unproven commodities. They have no previous history to show and sell them off of. Whereas they can sell the profitability of Raw and SmackDown. They can sell the viewership. The fact that they get two to three million people a week. They don't have that with 205 and and, and NXT right now. So selling those to networks would be a gamble on the network's part. Now, that being said, Fox has said that they're interested in having some other shows on some of their secondary networks yep. like FS1. Could WWE repurpose NXT or 205 or create an all-new show, possibly an all-women's show, or however many other different things, different ways that they could go? Could they do that? Yes, they absolutely could, but that's still, we're a year and a half away from the Fox deal becoming a, 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 a weekly thing and, and and SmackDown going to Fridays right. and Raw happening um, and all that stuff, all the contracts being being up. So we're still a long way from knowing if that's in the cards uh, and if that's something that WWE wants to do because, again, they have to keep reasons for people to come to their network. Yeah, I, I'll say this. I'll throw this out here as a last thing. is I would, happy, happy, I would be very happy to see them introduce tiers of the network. Like if you only wanted to watch the programming that was available on the network – Nine, 10 bucks a month, nine ninety nine a month. If you wanted to watch like all the pay-per-views and all of the 205 Live and NXT and stuff to continue to support the thing, maybe fourteen ninety nine. If you want to get this all new show that none of us know about that maybe is an all women's show or something like that, uh, $19.99 a month. I want to see them introduce tiers that makes it profitable enough for them to continue to create content, even some of their original movies that they might maybe throw those on the network. There's all kinds of rooms to grow that I don't, we really haven't seen them scratch the surface of with the WWE network yet. And I think it's got a lot of room to grow, but I don't, like you said, I don't think we're going to see anything until we get past October of next year. I don't know. When they canceled Talking Smack, I had tears. Yep. Anyway. Exactly. Ha, all right. Moving on. We've got uh, Courtney Titus. Uh, who says, even though Braun Strowman is extremely over with the fans, do you think he will make a great universal champion? Do you think these matches against smaller, more technical opponents like Owens or Balor, et cetera, will give him more experience in longer, more technical matches down the line? Mm. I'll, t- I'll let you take this one first there, Braun Strowman. Mark. Uh, for, for what it's worth, this is the first time I'm seeing these questions. So uh, forgive me for kind of shooting from the hip here. That's the point. Um, do you think he'll make a great universal champion? I think yes and no. There's two. There's a yes and no argument and a no argument here. The yes argument is, yes, he is archetypically just perfect. He's a giant man with a huge beard that is just breaking everything down and is just you know flipping things over. I really want him to go back to that gimmick where he flips stuff over. I think that He's was breaking the, ladders. Isn't that good enough for you? No. I want to see him flip like the whole stage over or do something ridiculous like flipping <laughs> Mack trucks. That was fun because he's a big man and that's what big men do. 
would it look even better if he had that red belt on his shoulder? Yeah, for a short period of time, sure. The no side of that argument is that he is he will be he has been and will continue to be built up as insurmountable as a monster. So if you put it on him, it's a Brock Lesnar 2.0 situation where you almost can't take it off of him because the, you can't make him not look like a monster. And that's my that's my concern with him being. I do think there will be a time within the next twelve months where Braun Strowman is the Universal Champion. I, I, regardless of how long yeah. it lasts, there will be a time. But do I think it's going to be good for him? I, I don't know. Technically, with him facing other people, sure. But I think he's already faced a lot of those people. No, but I, but okay. So I'll I'll answer the second question first. Yes, I think it's great that uh, his matches against the quote unquote smaller, more technical opponents is great for him. Yeah. But his matches against anybody because he is relatively new. He didn't spend a ton of time at the Performance Center. He's still relatively new on the main roster. He has been learning at an exponential rate. Yeah, big time. One thing that you can absolutely say is he's a guy that they absolutely hid his weaknesses and played to his strengths totally. over and over again. It's one of the reasons he got so over is because they, they did it right with Braun Strowman. And because he's good enough, he's willing enough to learn, he's put enough effort into it that he has grown as a performer, not only in his presentation, but in his in-ring work, knowing what he can and can't do, finding new things to do, like the new, like the little Mack truck thing where he runs people down. He's finding more things. And so the more time he has with these smaller guys, yeah, the more things he's going to figure out about what he can do, when he can do them, how he can tell the stories in the ring. It's great for him. And he will only continue to learn. So, yeah, put him with all these guys. It's fantastic. Putting him with Roman Reigns was great for him. Yes. You know what I mean? No matter who he's with, as long as they have some experience, some more experience than him, it's great for him. And ultimately, will he be a good universal champion? Absolutely. I I say inarguably he will be. But it will depend on when they put it on him. It has to be the right time. And then they have to, as you said, figure out a good way to at some point have him lose it. They yep. can't have him. It just, bleh, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's look, easy look to at say. what it's taken to, to get the belt off of AJ Styles. They've had to have this three plus month feud now with Nakamura sure. and go through all of these motions. And, and he still maintained the title throughout the thing. But let's, so. look at, let's look at big men in the past who've held the title and how you've gotten off them. You know, okay. like, like, a, like a big show sure. or a cane or an undertaker. You know, at some point, eventually, some plucky face finds a way to get it off of them or some tricky heel finds a way to get it off of them. It's it's not impossible. I don't think that, you know, it's one of those things where you shouldn't put the title on him because you can't think of a way to get it off of him. I think you figure that out down the road. A money in the bank cash in is a great example. And I, I don't know if Braun is ready for the Universal Championship yet because there's so many other people at the top of the card I could see having a run with it and being a bigger draw. Braun is a draw without the belt. You can you only have so many belts and you need have people who might need that belt to help them in their career. I don't yeah. think Reigns is one of them, but... Hey, you know, it looks like it's heading that way anyway. Um, but the Braun is going to be a big deal whether or not he has that belt. It's the Agreed. same theory that we had with him getting the money in the bank briefcase. He doesn't need it. Uh, the only thing that you have to do is figure out how to come up with a storyline of why he isn't going for the belt or why he isn't going for a big prize. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you've made it look like at any time he could just take it. But uh, no, I'll say he absolutely will make a great universal champion when he gets it because it is a matter of. Will. I mean, if I were to fantasy book that out, I could certainly see Reigns getting it at SummerSlam off of that, letting him have it for a period of time, and then somewhere down the road, uh, 
Braun Strowman is about the only guy that I could think of that could, as they've built him up, legitimately take it off of Roman Reigns. And I do see that as being a potential thing happening end mm-hmm. of this year or turn of next year, maybe like Royal Rumble time frame. If one of them turns heel, maybe, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, that's a good point. I, uh, don't, I don't know. All right, speaking of heels, Derek Gator Guy McRae asks, if I hate the big cast character, does that mean he's doing his job or does that mean he's just that bad? This yes, <laughs> both. Yeah. Um, there's it, a different. We talked about this before on the show. There's, yeah. a, there's a difference between uh, heel heat and go away heat. Yeah, you know what I mean. X Pac heat. That uh, ass is teetering on the edge of those. He's though. a little bit. He's a little Stephanie McManish for me. You know, I mean, where he's where part of it. I'm just like, ah, you just you annoy the shit out of me. And part of it where I, I'm actually like, no, you're just a bad performer, and I don't I don't like you. Yeah. Um, but that's going to be, that's the interesting thing is that with the modern take on wrestling, with the death of kayfabe, with the acceptance by everybody that is a story, it's hard to tell if your heat for somebody is genuine heel heat. If they're just annoying you and getting under your skin, or if they're just bad, it's really hard to tell. And it's something that's going to take a little bit of, of, you know, looking at yourself and self inquiry. And, and I had to do that with Stephanie McMahon. Or I'd take a step back and being like, is she working me? Is she genuinely working me here? Uh, and with Big Cass, I think it's going to be everyone's going to have their own take on it. I'm mostly annoyed at Big Cass because he's in the middle of my dream uh, Samoa <laughs> Joe and Daniel Bryan feud. So right now it's kind of get out of the way. Do I think he has the potential of of having legit heel heat and being a good heel worker in in at the upper mid card where he's working right now? Yeah. I, I I do see hope for Cass. It's 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 going to be a long road. Though. Yeah, I, to me, he's just he's one of those guys where all the pieces don't quite fit together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I like I said, he looks like a melted test. It's, it's, it's just fat guy in a little coat. It's it's just that awkward kind of thing that something's missing. Like I wish it was a little coat. It's it, his coat's just big and he, he needs to go get it fitted. Like, dude, go to a tailor for yeah, the love of God. You're from New York. Everybody wears tailored suits. Come he's on. from Jersey. Well, that's true. Good point. Well, Never mind. Forget I said that. Or is he, or was that Enzo and he's from New York? I don't know. I don't, I don't care. I thought he was from Queens or Staten Island. I don't care. Uh, we need to move on and talk about our lightning round. Other yes. news. Lightning round news. Okay, real quick. Uh, Colt Cabana and CM Punk are not liable for damages in the Dr. Aman lawsuit that's right uh so if you didn't know uh colt cabana and cm punk did a podcast shortly after cm punk was released from wwe and they basically went off on wwe for lots of reasons just go listen to it One just wwe punk we, went off on everybody we cannot summarize it here because there is it's just two plus it's two parts and two hours each it's huge it's, it's a ton of uh, punk just shoots on everybody. But basically, one of the people that was uh, implicated in this was Dr. Aman, which was the WWE doctor at the time. Uh, punk said that basically that they were over-medicating him, not treating his concussions. And Aman believed that they were that, that was libel. Mm. And so he sued them. Uh, for for one, def- one million dollars. Well, no, he sued them for uh, $3.989 million. 989, exactly. Yes, it was wow. because it was $1 for each verifiable stream of the episode of The Art of Wrestling in question, <gasps> plus punitive damages. Um, so, no, he was, they were, he was suing them for distribution, false light defamation, and defamation. Um, the jury debated for, I believe, two hours. Let me get my notes here. Two hours. And um, uh, two hours, they came to a decision of not guilty in all counts. Of course. So totally dismissed. Sorry, Dr. Man. You get nothing. You lose. You lose, Good sir. Good day, sir. Good day. Get out of here. So, yeah, CM Punk, Colt Cabana, 
Leave CM Punk alone. Off the hook. Um, I did want to talk about how we doing on time, Nick. Uh, we got plenty of time. Excellent. I want to talk about something. I listened to a, a interview with Bret Hart on Talk Sport. Uh, Bret Hart is a guy where listening to his interviews is hit or miss. He's a very salty, crusty dude at this point. Yeah. He's, he's very bitter. Um, but he had a couple of points I thought were interesting, especially because we were talking about the uh, Owen Hart recently with, mm-hmm. with the anniversary of his passing, 19th anniversary of his passing, and how he wasn't in the Hall of Fame. And uh, it was interesting to hear that Bret Hart is very much for Owen being in the Hall of Fame and is actually pissed at WWE for him not being in there. We all are. We don't understand this. Well, yeah, and he's 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 saying uh, he, he admitted that it may be because they're worried about angering his widow, Martha, um, but he brings up as and I'll, I'll quote him here. Granted, they may anger Martha, but as proven when she tried to sue over the heart DVD they put out a few years ago, she can't do anything as they own his likeness and image rights, which was on Owen's last contract. Personally, I'd bite the bullet and do it. Owen was a proud wrestler and would be upset. He wasn't being honored or at least valued. So that's, you know what? Honestly, I, I, on one hand, you can take Martha's side. On the other hand, you can take Brett's side. Sorry, Martha. I'm going to take Brett's side yep. on this one. I, Owen should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. 100%. 100%. Um, he had a couple other things he talked about. He, he just completely crapped all over Bischoff, called him a total complete idiot and maybe the single stupidest idiot that ever got into wrestling. Woo! Um, for because uh, because basically Bischoff's been burying Brett and saying he half-assed it when he came to WCW, which uh, as you would <laughs> so imagine half of the wrestlers over a, there. Well, I'm just saying, as you would imagine, uh, he didn't like that. He said that uh, Davy Boy Smith could have been one of the biggest guys in the business, but his drug problems got it got in the way. Yeah, but um, how many other how many other wrestlers could you say that for? Yeah, but you know he they had that incredible SummerSlam match. Like yeah. he was he was very close to that where he he let him go over that SummerSlam match, basically thinking you know you've got all the parts, go for it, dude. And Davy Boy Smith let his demons get in the way. Bum, 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 um, so and then, then the lastly thing that he said that uh, I particularly was interested in. So he's obviously not a fan of the WWE product these days. He calls it too polished. But uh, one of the things that he is a fan of is British wrestling right now. And uh, he noted that, quote, the fact that fans reacted so strongly to uh, Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate shows you it might be going back in the other direction. Uh, he basically feels that he's that, that um, the UK scene is a little bit more like proper wrestling. It's more realistic. Yes. Um, he's right. Uh, he I think he used the term blue collar. Yeah. And he says Dunne should be a way bigger part of the show by now. And uh, all those things. I, damn, I, damn, Brett, I don't agree with you often, but I, I agree with you here. Well said. I agree. Well said, sir. Usually you're a crusty old cornet, but um, <laughs> don't don't go shooting on cornet on. I'm not. Sh- North Carolina boys gonna have a problem. With that I either. I am not shooting on either Brett or Cornette. Mad <laughs> mad respect to both guys, yeah. even if sometimes opinions differ. We have our shit opinions here too. Well, hey, uh, off some retaliation potentially for WWE using the Barclays Center. Uh, the AAA promotion down in Mexico has booked MSG, yes, Madison Square Garden, yes. for a show. Yes. This I, is interesting. And uh, I, I, I have a feeling the WWE is going to try and start uh, using its newfound money to muscle this around because this is a slap in the face of WWE by Madison Square Garden to book another promotion. Now, notably, it was not a North American promotion. I think if Impact did it or Ring of Honor, it would be war. Yeah. But uh, AAA is still a massive, massive promotion. And uh, this has to be seen as a a, a shakeup, you know, shaking WWE and kind of, hey, guys, wake up. 
this is happening, right? We're, we're not happy with the fact that you're not giving uh, Madison Square Garden the money you used to. They don't care anymore. Because you're going to, you're going to Barclays. I, I honestly don't think they care anymore. They've, they've made their money now. It's the, the billion no. dollars each show in the bank, and they're gone That's at this point. That's not the mentality of WWE. <laughs> that has never been the mentality of WWE. It's take any opponent that you have and grind them into the dust until they are no more. And there's a reason why they're buying up all these indie wrestlers and buying all these wrestlers and getting contracts with these people to keep them away from these other companies. Um, for this Madison Square Garden show, it should be noted, uh, AAA is trying to book some Impact stars and Lucha Underground stars for this to try and get more American-recognized talent yeah. at that show. So looking forward to seeing that card. Speaking of AAA, they did release their main event for uh, Triple Mania, which is going to be a crazy fatal four-way La Park, a.k.a. La Parca, the chairman of the board back in WCW, he's still around, mm-hmm. versus Pentagon Jr., who is coming back to AAA. Apparently, he mended fences okay. with AAA uh, versus Hijo de Fantasma versus Psycho Clown. And I believe, I haven't seen confirmed, but I believe that the one of the, the I think someone in this match is losing their mask. And I, I can oh, only wow. I can only imagine this Ijo de Fantasma. Huh, he okay. speaks he, he speaks perfect English. He's starting to get a name over here. I have a feeling he's going to go the way of La Sombra, aka Cien Almas, who yep. doesn't speak English and still was like, I'm going to go get some American money. I have a feeling Fantasma is going to do the same thing. So, Interesting. Yes, yeah, a little speculation there. Hey, I uh, saw some social media or articles come out with uh, Shawn Michaels teasing that he's still got one more in him. Yeah, he, in, in an interview, he said he would not be opposed to having like one last farewell match. Um, I, mm, Your thoughts? Uh, no. <laughs> just, just let our memories of you remain amazing yeah. and leave us in, in peace with that. Enjoy your time no. at the training center bringing up the next generation. Help us with that. I, I, I think I, he could still do it with who? I don't know. Not the please, not the Undertaker. If it, I, that's all it's going to be, that's the only like legendary character left in the main roster right John now. John versus Triple H. You wouldn't watch that? Oh, uh, I'd watch the absolute shit out of that. <laughs> and that is, um, and but that is why. He's but it's Triple it's H, Triple H stealing the show and whatever. It's going to bury the rest of the roster because of that match, and that's why I don't want it. It's it's great to have it at something where you don't have other stakes on the line so that it doesn't upstage them. WrestleMania is a great platform for that kind of stuff. I, sure. Eight, nine months from now, let's let's have it at WrestleMania if they want to. But I don't know. Anytime soon, though. No. Yeah. I well, I, I would be down to see one more from Shawn Michaels. It's it's Shawn freaking Michaels. Uh, Tony Storm, according to Meltzer over at uh, Wrestle, Wrestling Observer, uh, she's only on a UK contract, which for means for well, which it means that she might not be dropping the uh, World of Stardom title to Kagetsu. Uh, she might not be coming off the indie scene just yet. She might have more to do. She's not going to. She's not going to be completely locked down. Sorry, Nick. There has to be. There has to be some bad news. Um, really quickly, ITV's World of Sports coming back, but it's hit some road bumps. Uh, WWE has been, as we've been saying, they've been signing some talent and holding them in extent what they call quote extended tryouts, which means they can't sign with ITV. Um, they also made a horrible decision to book one of their big opening shows against the first uh, the first match England has in the World Cup. Oops. Yeah. So, the, <laughs> by the way, in case uh, the rest of us Americans didn't know, the World Cup's coming. Yeah. Well, we're not in Almost it, so there. who cares? Yeah. Right. Uh, but Britain's in it, and so it's hard to have a British wrestling show uh, live. Go, you know, with selling selling tickets to a live event against the World Cup. Yeah. 
Uh, that's a bad idea. You should see the money they get for commercials at the World Cup. Um, you screw the, our Super Bowl money. On the upside, they're they're doing a they're they got a pretty good deal. If you are a wrestler and you do sign with them, they're uh, they're giving them a thousand dollars a day, wow. and they're they're giving them residuals for TV contracts. So they're treating them more like actors than they wow. are like wrestlers. So yeah. yeah, interesting. Keep an eye on the world of sport. Um, also, one last thing as far as TV happens next Wednesday, the premiere of Lucha Underground Season 4. Hey! hey! We'll be watching that. Lucha! Lucha! All right, calm down there, Nick. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we, hopefully, we will get confirmation on our involvement with Lucha Underground. By that time, we'll see. We'll let you guys know as soon as we know. But that is our show for the day. Next week, we are going to have the go-home shows for Money in the Bank NXT's takeover Chicago. We're also going to be talking about 205 Live and Dominion from mm. New Japan. We'll have a lot to talk about next week on our show. So come on back at the end of next week, about Thursday or so. We'll have that show up for you and check us out then. Absolutely. And definitely come over and join us in on Facebook in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. Just search Facebook. You'll find us there. Also on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Going to be a lot of live tweeting happening this weekend as we watch and consume the matches. The amazing card that has been built for New Japan Dominion. Uh, also leading up to next week for Money in the Bank and TakeOver. Uh, if you like this show and want to support what we do, we would love all of your support. Every dollar counts. Head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar or sign up to do your very own shoot promo right here on the show with myself and Ian. And if you want to rock some sweet swag and let everybody know that we are your favorite wrestling podcast, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store. Pick up a t-shirt, hoodie, phone case, sticker, coffee mug, all that good stuff. And don't forget to go to your podcast app of choice and hit that share and subscribe button share it with your friends let them know that you listen to us and help us grow our lovely fan base our lovely listening audience uh make sure that you subscribe to us and also hit the like button on our youtube page yes. Follow our youtube page we need those subs please the more the merrier we will be getting much more content up there over the next weeks and months we'll be having a lot more stuff coming out we got a lot of things we're gonna be doing with this show uh and also don't forget to leave us a review if you're on itunes give us five stars give us a little review don't don't be afraid to be critical yeah. tell us things that we could do better we like making the show the kind of show that you guys want to listen to but i'm nick howell you can find me on twitter at nick podcasts and i am sir ian dangerous you can find me on twitter at sir ian dangerous but by god somebody stop the damn match this show is part of the orbital jigsaw network for more episodes subscribe to us on itunes google play or stitcher radio for details and show notes from each episode check us out orbitaljigsaw.com